To the, the past, past and episode, episode 64. 64. Featuring Daz and Brendan from the Hands On Gaming Podcast. Steve Erickson from the Retro Asylum Podcast. And our special Patreon contributors, Roger Dodger, 2000 DC, and Dr. Goggles. And of course, our amazing show sponsor, David Hearn. Hello and welcome to the very special episode 64. Whee! Woo! Of 64, 64, 64. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Russian dancing men, a zap to the past. Um, my name is 64 and I'm joined as ever by Graham 64. If you haven't listened to 64, I'm going to stop saying that. Uh, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. 64, um, yeah. We are using the magazine's app, 64, That's as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. Anyway, this week, we're going to be starting our look at October 1987 and the first batch of games reviewed in issue 30 of Zap 64. Now, normally we would have music in the first part, but not this week, for this is episode 64, if you haven't guessed. So we thought we'd ask some of our friends and chums to chip into the episode. So what that means is peppered sparingly through this episode will be reviews from some stalwarts of the C64 and retro community and from those who have joined us on our Patreon. So it's not just us you're going to hear from this week. It's going to be a smorgasbord of different people all chipping in and saying stuff. We've also got some stats. We've also got some lists. It's episode 64. Anything literally could happen. 64. Woo! Indeed. Anyway, Graham, you know, as per normal, tell us what we have going on this week. In this dental surgery comes Smile Centre, with a waiting room containing a large donated box of kids' toys from the 1930s, a plastic container of colour-drained and ancient Lego variants, a table full of random good housekeeping what hi-fi, hello and okay magazines from six years ago, and smiley posters everywhere for something called Den Plan of an episode. We get all cute and cuddly and then attempt to plough through a hundred levels of brilliant arcade conversion fun in the always endearing Bubble Bobble. Shudder at the tragic freeze-frame nastiness and demonic speech of the bad 
badly broken Further Adventures of Alice in Videoland, grab our dueling banjos and squeal like piggies at the badly drawn dustbin-based side-scrolling Deliverance, and take to the skies in a tiny aeroplane to attempt to sink some massive battleships in the decidedly aeronautical Destructo. We also revisit our cleaning contracts, grab our mops and head out once again to scrub away some filth in the two-player favoured cleanup service. Flat out some lightning and dash through the corridors of time, all three of them, in the pretty but dull hysteria, and move some lines to kill some shapes to take over the whatever in the oddly named Phrenesis. If the shrill sound of drilling which sits just under the music in the dentist waiting room hasn't quite pierced your soul, and you think that necking an energy drink en route was probably a bad idea, we climb into our exosuit, shout power extreme, and choose some pointless alphabetical upgrades in the lifeless gauntlet imitation turd, Centurions, gaze in wonder at the multiple scrolling parallax layers of joy, while slowly feeling our life drain away through boredom with Gunrunner, before finally heading out into the universe on a quest for batteries, and luckily happening upon a marble-based power station of some kind in the weird pile-up. Episode 64 is a momentous occasion for sure. Sadly, some of the games in here are like pubes in a plug hole. Unpleasant, cloggy, and not our fault. 64, 64, 64. <laughs> woo, woo. Yeah, 64. Right, before we get going, Graham, I have a stat for you. Would you like a stat, a 64 stat? Yes, please. I'd like 64 stats for the 64th episode. All right, okay. So do you know what the 64th game was that we reviewed? No, I would like to know. Okay, it was Stop the Express. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I was so disappointed when I found that. I wanted it to be something way better than that. <laughs> it wasn't, unfortunately. <laughs> that was it crap. was Stop the Express. That was the 64th game that we reviewed. And so uh, there you go. Um, that's oh, your first dear. stat. There'll be plenty more of those peppered throughout the episode to just delight and amuse. And hopefully we've better than hundreds that one. of games. So the 64th one, oh, that's, that's just, I know. honestly, just, I didn't plan it very well I'm disappointed. Doing the no, agendas. Well, no, you, you, but that's the beauty of it. You didn't know what you were going to get, and now no. you've ruined episode 64. <laughs> I have. I you haven't really. I'll think about what I've done. Um, <laughs> uh, do you want another one, or should we move on? We'll save them. I've got loads more. Let's, let's save them. Let's save them. Save them and just you know unleash them when it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's we need them, because Absolutely. I think some of these games are going to need some boosting. So. They're going to need it. But uh, Okay, so without further ado, should we uh, get on into our first one, shall we? Are we doing the cover, or...? Oh, the cover, of course. I see it. I'm so out of sorts. I thought we might leave that till next week, but uh, we can do the cover. Yeah, let's do the cover. What is the cover? Yeah. The well, cover is it's weird. It's, well, it's, um, it's shooting with a construction kit, isn't it? So It is, which is which is only previewed in this issue. <laughs> no, so it's being heavily constructed, whatever that is. Yeah. it's. it's I like that one. It reminds me of uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, in the way that they're... Uh, sort of there's things being built in the sort of space i quite like it it's very it's very nice <laughs> yeah yes so yeah it's, it's good it's, it's well drawn and everything and i like the the sense of the the sun giving that backlight he does like backlight sun doesn't he like uh, in california games one um and it's very nice you know they've got the moon there's sorry the earth there in the bottom right hand corner and there's a, it's a space guy welding and yeah, yeah good old space it, welders yeah space welders yeah they don't well there was yeah do we have any space welders maybe not no um, it's, it's completely new <laughs> Not true. So yeah, so this is uh, essentially yeah. Re- preview towards the end of the issue is the shoot 'em up construction kit, but I think it's about two issues away before it actually hits, isn't it? Right. Well, that makes sense. And it's got Judge Death in the bottom left-hand corner. Yeah, Death is because I think so it says some... Judge Death. Exciting news. I think they could have <laughs> maybe taken a bit more time with that. <laughs> I reckon that was a last last minute um, addition. A bit more exciting. Really? That sounds like it's really exciting. That isn't, though. No. So. And there's a, well, there's a, there's a sort of, you know, some stuff, yeah, because it's previewed. So we've got the games that are in this one. I don't know why they've picked this one because there's, there's other games that they could have done 
a better, a, a good cover of. I think, yeah. you know, with not much tweaking, this could have been Mega Apocalypse, which yeah, is also in this totally. One. And it, maybe it is. We don't know, do we? It's a bit, it's a bit tongue in cheek, really. I suppose. Yeah. What it definitely isn't, though, is definitely not our first game. No. So should we get into that now? I think we should. All right, let's get into it. Because our first game is uh, a gold medal game that was the gold medal was. Okay, so Bubble Bobble is another arcade conversion gold medal. And this time around, probably one that deserves it. Can you remember, Graham, what the last arcade conversion that got a gold medal was? I want to say something that rhymes with boasts and balls. <laughs> no, because it rhymes with boasts and boblins. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Don't want to be so obvious. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, ghosts and goblins. So we've had lots since then, but none have got the gold medal. This one has. Um, so Bubble Bobble, it's the home of cute brontosauri Bub and Bob, who are a bubble-spewing pair of spiky dinosaurs, whose job it is to clear 100 screens of monsters and collect as much treasure as they can along the way. Bubble Bobble was originally created by Taito in the arcades, and is the design of Fukio Mitsuji, who would do the sequel, Rainbow Islands, and also the Kicks-inspired Volfide, which I also really like. His initial idea was that he wanted to create something cute and platform-based after making a couple of shooters, and that would also appeal to women, though kind of uh, similar to, yeah, you know, kind of similar to Pac-Man, the Pac-Man design. Yeah, yeah. The guy who did that, which I can never remember his name, but he's, you know, he said that eating would appeal to women. Yeah, I'm not here to judge. His research took him to a screen full of bubbles and the notion of popping them, which would be enjoyable. The original idea was for the main character to be a robot uh, with a spike on its head. But this was rejected for being uncool. Uncool, Graham. Ter- terribly uncool. Terribly uncool being a dinosaur. Dinosaur, Sorry, a robot with a spike on your head. So he, before he then changed his mind and settled on dinosaurs with ridges on their back. In designing it, several of the enemies were taken from the 1984 game Chack and Pop. And a quick look at that game shows that it was definitely probably an influence on Bubble Bobble because it looks kind of similar-ish. Yeah, so the arcade game was released throughout 1986 around the world and was a huge hit, and it was the highest-grossing arcade game in the UK for three months in 1987, from April to June. I never knew that Bubble Bobble was that massive in the UK. but No, I, they, I didn't. But there you go. It was a big old hit. Bubble Bobble was a big deal, and of course was converted to just about everything going at the time, and that is why we have the C64 version here. So the difference here is this is not one of your Sega behemoths with a thousand chips and a million colors and a billion sprites being converted. No, this was a simple game. It's almost a throwback to single screen arcades of years before. This in no way looks state of the art. It harks back to games like Pac-Man, Mr. Do, Dig Dug, Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, that kind of thing. And that everything happens in front of you on one screen in 2D. And yet, despite that, it regularly appears on the top 100 games of all time list, whilst all those bells and whistles and hydraulics and all those other fancy things have disappeared into the dust of history. Let this be a lesson. You cannot beat a simple idea done well, and Bubble Bobble is another case that proves that to be true. So, what is Bubble Bobble? It's a one or two player game where you play the cute dinosaurs Bub and Bob. Bub is green, Bob is blue. Now you can move left and right and jump with the up direction. You can also spit bubbles by pressing fire. Each screen is made up of a series of platforms and usually a hole at the top and bottom of the screen. If you fall off the bottom of the screen, you reappear at the top, kind of like Pac-Man's maze. Simple, really. 
Along these platforms, monsters of various abilities roam, and it's your job to clear the screen of all of those monsters. You do this by spitting bubbles at them and capturing them. Once you're inside a bubble, you can jump on it to squish it, or jump yeah, jump on it to squish it, or jump up into it to pop it with your spike, thus killing the enemy inside who will spin off and turn into treasure, which you can then collect for bonus points. Killing all the enemies on the screen sees you whisk downwards to the next level, and away you go again. As you progress, new enemies appear, some that fire projectiles at you, some that fly around, and so on and trapping them becomes trickier as they get more adversarial. You only have a certain amount of time to do all this in it, and you'll be told to hurry up if you are taken too long. And should you not do that, an enemy appears, he will slowly home in on you in steps. It's like, do, 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 across screen. It's a similar idea, to, I guess, to Otto in Berserk, um, the bouncing yeah. smiley face. Um, yeah. And the only way to see them off is to complete the screen quick, smart. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to get a, a bit of a, a bit of a move on if if he appears. It's like it um, follows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it follows bubble 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 edition. There are also special bubbles as well that float about as well, containing water, fire, and thunder. Now, I'm not sure about the thunder one, but popping the water and the fire uh, bubbles, sees Bub carried along on them. They kind of, they kind of like water. They go along the platform, drop down to the next, and swish to the bottom of the screen. Um, and as they, as you are carried along, it destroys everything they touch. So any enemies that are anyway, any monsters, any treasure, anything like that, either gets killed or collected. It's really useful. Drops your jacket into the hole at the bottom, and you reappear at the top. Collecting the, bu- you know, actually getting the water bubbles or the fire bubbles um, is tantamount to essential in some of the levels to try and clearing them out. I'm not sure with the thunder one. I could never get one, although I did get something in a sort of fireball, a sort of thunderbolt that so was going across the screen. I think that might have been it, but I didn't realize. I'm not a massive mm. expert on the bubble bobble power-ups, but there was lightning flying about, so it might have been that. There are also power-ups to collect as well, such as speeding up your bubble shots, speeding up the movement, extra lives, um, and even ones that take you forward several levels um, when you touch them. Um, there are other ones as well that fill the screen with like things to collect, and you've got to jump into them and try and get them all. And it's there's loads, of, there's tons, there's tons and tons of little extra touches to this. And it's, there's too much to really go through because there's there's hidden rooms, there's hidden levels, there's bonus levels, there's all, all kinds of stuff going on. And if you get to the end of the hundred levels as well, there's the big bubbles. What's he called? The big evil dinosaur thing at the end yeah, i can never yeah, remember yeah. his name um but you, you know you've, you've got to fight and beat and win and it's it's just you know it's a classic arcade game 100 level see how far you can get and it gets hard quick but it's not too hard stop let me stop you in your tracks there for a moment adrian and um, because why i'm feeling the bubble bubble love but <laughs> i think it's t- in the bubble love i think it's time we heard from <laughs> one of our patrons and that patron would be roger dodger so let me just regale you with this it's October 1987. I'm eight years old, going on nine. And I've got a cassette with a demo of Bubble Bobble, which I'm raring to play. There's only one tiny problem. There's been a power cut, and I'm unable to use my beloved bread bin, the torture. That's, a great storm has swept yeah. the UK, leaving a trail of destruction, turning everything almost literally upside down. Life for the next couple of days consists of eating tinned beans and sausages, heated on a camping stove, and no C64. <sighs> my memory of this is so vivid, it seems like yesterday... Actually, I'll say that again. My memory is so, sound like a robot reading then. My memory is so vivid of this, it seems like yesterday. However, this is a reconstructive memory, and only part of that story is true. The damn Bastardly. liar. The damn, damn liar. <laughs> dastardly, dastardly. <laughs> but I like where he's going with it. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled. <laughs> Fast forward to present day. I'm checking through old issues of Commodore User. Yes, I shamefully bought Commodore User boo hiss and yeah. all that. And it turns out there was no cover-mounted demo of Bubble Bobble, but instead a tape featuring demos of 720 degrees, it, Flying Shark and Boogie Boy. Um, that's not. That's just my sound effect reviews there. Um, he didn't actually write those terms in his in his in his um, his response here. I was certain these events all coincided at the same time, but history proves they clearly didn't. 
I have the physical copy of Bubble Bobble, so I must have bought it not long after release or been given it as a birthday or Christmas present that December. What a gift. That's an auntie or an uncle or a relative that knew you well. While I have few memories of the real cover tape, I have many fond memories of plowing hours into Bubble Bobble in both the single and two-player modes. Published by Firebird, this definitely isn't a fire turd. I like what he did there. The development team at Software Creations pulled off a blinder here. All 100 levels are present along with a faithful Sid rendition of the music. Amazingly, this fitted in a single tape load. To be fair, that is amazing that it is that. It is amazing, yes. yes. Take note, Roadrunner. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Maybe. You didn't say that either. Anyway. Actually, it's, actually go- it'd be meep. <laughs> meep. Yeah, meep. Meh. Per. <laughs> anyway, um, going back and playing this today, it's still good. If I'm honest, the controls feel a tad sluggish, but after a few minutes, you get used to them. Um, a few minutes, you get used to them. All my love for this game still feels justified, even if my memories are a little confused. I like it. I like where you're going with that, Roger Dodger. Very I, good. I Thank you. But let me, Graham, stop you there, because that's all very well and nice. But we've also got a response from Dr. Goggles. Dun, dun, dun. What does Dr. Goggles say? Well, what can I say about Bubble Bobble that hasn't already been said? Turns out nothing. So there you go. That's from Dr. Goggles. <laughs> um, shortest, so, shortest response shortest ever. ever. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, the arcade game was a near perfect game. Cutesy and fun with a simple but effective tune. My ringtone for when my kids phone me. Ah, featuring nice. two characters, Bub and Bob, who have been transformed Calibos-like into monsters. Dragons in this case. Oh, imagine... Bubble Bobble with cal- mini Calibosses. Please, somebody do that. <laughs> Make that happen. Yeah. Bubble Bobble, the Calibos special. I love it. <laughs> Calibubble Wobble. <laughs> there you go. In this form, they have to fight through 100 levels to free their girlfriends. The C64 conversion is one of the great arcade conversions, although missing a few of the enemies, you'd hardly notice. The music is a faithful recreation, the sprites are all great, and the gameplay is brilliant. I also found, sorry, I always found this worked very well as a collaborative two-player game. It was one of the few games my younger sister would actually play with me, and we managed to beat it together. As a single-player game, it comes into its own as a high-score chaser, and once you learn a few tricks, such as popping as many bubbles at once as possible, and what pickup items do what, you can start to amass very high scores and the level progress isn't so important. One thing I never realized at the time is that you can continue once you lose all your lives, as in an arcade continue, but it's quite tricky to do it. You have to press the fire at an exact certain time. Yeah, I found that was annoying. Um, However, in 2019, a fixed version was released where you could easily continue, which makes one-player progress much easier. Now I learn of this. Now. Now I Ah, learn of this Now I learn of this, yeah. All in all, a well-deserved gold medal winner and an all-time classic. Yeah. There you go. No arguments uh, there. All good. Thank you very much for those amazing contributions. Yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Goggles and Roger Dodger. (laughs) Sounds so weird reading (laughs) these names out. I still like the idea of the the, the two characters being called Calibub and Calibob. (laughs) It would have to be, yeah. We need a third one, though, for a triple action treat. (laughs) We would Calibubble Bobble. (laughs) Yeah, Calibubble Bobble, Calibub, Calibob and Calibib. (laughs) Bib Bob Bob. Yes. Okay, on that Uh, that Calibubble Bombshell, which is very difficult to say. Cali Bubble Blind Date. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Mine's wearing too much. I can't, I've got to get this out of my head dra- immediately. As we draw back the panel. Look who you've met. <laughs> ah, I'm Cali Boss. You've got my hand. <laughs> anyway, as you were. <laughs> yes. So the good thing here is that all of this, all that from the arcade, because all that's in the arcade is in. It's in the C64 version, so it's all present and correct. So Stephen Ruddy uh, had previously done, you know, Mystery on the Nile and Kinetic, as it's turned in one. Random. Uh, 
I know it's a bizarre combo of games, isn't it? You see, you did Kinetic first, which was we agreed was well programmed. Yeah, we did. Was too hard for its own good. Mystery on the Nile, which was obviously a spectrum conversion, and then suddenly along, along comes and does this brilliant conversion of Bubble Bobble because this is one of, if not the best arcade conversion on the C sixty four. You know, as in how it mirrors the arcade and feels and plays and looks, and it's just brilliant. This could, as we've seen before, we've seen as many times. This could have gone horribly wrong. Horribly, horribly wrong. Whoa, wait, angst. Stop. I don't mean to interrupt you or anything, but we have an important contribution from Steve at the Retro Asylum podcast, and I think it would behoove us not to insert it right here. Hi, guys. Steve here from the Retro Asylum podcast. Thank you for inviting me on to your 64th episode of your excellent Zap to the Past podcast. Um, I've had a look at the games that are in issue 64 of Zap, uh, Zap magazine, and to be fair, like most people who are submitting to you, I can only recognise one of the titles, um, which would be the awesome Bubble Bobble. Um, I've had a quick look at it recently to uh, see what I thought of it, because I remember back in the day basically thinking that this game was arcade perfect. Um, now, looking back, I'm playing it again today. It's not as brilliant as I remember it. Don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic game. But um, like the plus points with this game are... The graphics are great, the design's perfect, the screen layout's great, the size like really matches the arcade game, the playability's there in spades, they pretty much recreated the entire arcade experience, so it's it's a fantastic game. But I remember back in the day, I crossed over from the C64 to the Amiga around at this point and started playing Bubble Bobble uh, on the Amiga, and it's the speed is the difference really because they are both two brilliant conversions but the speed on the arcade and the speed on the Amiga is just very slightly faster and more accurate to the arcade on the 16-bit machines and obviously the arcade um, whereas the C64 is a little bit slower but saying that I mean come on it's a 64k machine 8-bit you know 16 colored machine and yet was still able to pull off an absolutely magnificent port of Bubble Bobble so well and well and truly justified in getting a I think it's 97% gold medal award um utterly utterly brilliant uh, arcade conversion nonetheless um so yeah what, what a great uh, game to have in the 64th issue and obviously would be mentioned on your 64th show. Thank you, Steve. That's brilliant. Uh, as you were, Adrian. But just here, it works. It all works. Everything moves at a decent pace. There's no slowdown. There's loads of stuff on screen. You know, everything, all the, the power-ups, like the water and stuff, when they happen, they're fast. They're, they're just like they are in the arcade. All the power-ups works they should do. You've got nine credits to allow you to continue if you lose all your lives which is really handy, a bit of a player affordance. You don't have to use them. So you can try like and do a single life run or whatever, but you can use them if you want to continue. The two-player mode works perfectly and you're both jumping around and shooting stuff and trying to continue and not trying not to die and all that. The visuals are a perfect C64 uh, version of the arcade. I think they're great. They look the part, but they're sprite-based. It's small sprites. It suits the C64 down to the ground. You know, when we look at things like, we looked at Space Harry, we look at Paperboy, we look at all these big, bangy, whooshy, you know, super hang on or whatever, and whatever that other one was, Exciter Bike. You know, they're not built for the C- to be represented on the C64. This feels like a perfect, harmonious fit within the 64K. And it all fits in the 64K as well. No multi-load. No, everything's here. Incredible stuff. The music is, it's annoying, but it's catchy. And it's, you know, you just, it just gets in your brain, but it's a good getting in your brain. It all just, it just works. It works as it should. And it all comes back to that notion of a simple idea done well. It's a great game, this. Um, it goes on to spawn, obviously, sequels, um, you know, Rainbow Islands and all the rest sort of thing. And arguably, the characters go on to 
the best, the best to play a game of all time in Puzzle Bobble or Buster Move. I love Puzzle Bobble yeah, and Buster Move, whatever, games. whichever game. You know, there's, there's something inherently brilliant about shooting a bubble to pop more bubbles and have bubbles drop. It's just amazing. And especially in two player, it's great. So, you know, this spawns a lot. This is an, a really ace conversion. There's, I mean, there's not much more to say about it. It's Bubble Bobble and it's brilliant. It's a brilliant arcade game. It plays to the C64 strengths. It's programmed to work as it should. Absolutely 100% deserving of its gold medal. I loved this. I thought this was great. I've not really played it much since it came out. I've played the arcade time a few times. But going back to this, I was really, really impressed with how good this was. Yeah, loved this. Brilliant. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to add much more to what you've said. Um, as you have eloquently explained, it's a simple idea, well executed. It's a great arcade game to begin with. Loads of fun for one or two players. It's an exceptional conversion for the C64 in every possible way. Lots of variety, lots of difficulty at the right pace and the time in the right way. The graphics are really good and well-drawn. It looks exactly like it should. Um, this really is one of the standout arcade conversions on the C64, and it plays really brilliantly in one or two player. So what's not to like? I mean, it's just... it. It's Bubble Bobble, and it's a great version of Bubble Bobble. So I, on revisit, and I never played a lot of the arcade or a lot of Bubble Bobble in my time or any of the derivatives that came out later. But I went back to this and really had a good go at it. And it's such an enjoyable, simple arcade. I imagine in two-player, it's even better. I had a really good time with it. Really enjoyed playing it. What's not to like? It deserved a gold medal. Great conversion. Really captures absolutely everything. I really enjoyed it. And just so you might, you know, as a factoid, um, the current... High score in Twin Galaxies, the Twin Galaxies website, oh, which okay. is the which is the high score of all high scores of of gaming, of mm-hmm. competitive gaming, is uh, a chap called um, looks like Elias Florakis who scored two million two hundred thirty six thousand two hundred eighty points on the C sixty four version. So that's the current world record. On wow, Twin Galaxies, yeah, pretty good going. I don't think I got anywhere near that. No, but it's the kind of, it's the kind <laughs> of game that would make you want to do more and do better. I really enjoyed it. It's a great, and like you said, the music—it's just—it's—it's—it's—it it's, it's, almost is a throwback to classic arcade yes, mentality, exactly. isn't it? And because of that, it works really well. Take note, complex designers who throw stupid crap at games—you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it. it. Doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And we're going to come across some crazy things in this episode. We are. I mean, if you um, if you don't take out, if you don't believe us as well, this is one of our first editions. We've got uh, we've got Brendan from the Hands On Gaming podcast uh, here now, and uh, if you don't believe us, then let Brendan convince you of just how good this game is. So, like most people, I played this originally in the arcade first. We used to play it, me and my friend. Uh, it was super fun, such a bubbly game. Every time you saw it in the arcade, you just had to play it. It was just had a magnetic draw to it. And not long after playing it, actually, I went to my local software shop and I saw the original copy on the shelf. And it, I was just immediately drawn to it, obviously. And I saw the Firebird label on it. And I had just been played Samurai Warrior, which is an absolute favorite game of mine. And it was released by Firebird. So in my kid mind, Firebird was like, you know, a sign of quality. But, you know, in retrospect, if you think back to it, they put out their stuff was all over the place, really. You never know what you're going to get. So it was an absolute roll of the dice. But it turned out to be fantastic. I can't believe the game has all 100 levels from the arcade. That is extremely impressive. You know, as much as I like the conversions of Commando and Ghosts and Goblins, you know, there's a lot of stuff missing in there. 
And that's more to do with Elite wanting them to be single loaders. But anyway, the two-player mode here is what shines. This is what makes this game on the C64 and obviously the arcade. Just It just takes it to the next level. It's the best co-op game on the C64. We played this game endlessly. Uh, we got to about level 80, 70, 80, somewhere around there. Never seemed to get past that point. We always ended up dying. The certain interpretation of the arcade track is spot on. It's actually better. It's just more crunchy. The graphics are excellent. Even though Bub and Bob look like little punk rock versions of themselves, you know, from the arcade, it looks a little bit odd. I'm not going to deny that. But uh, overall, you know, it just shows, you know, the C64 could just deliver arcade really accurate arcade conversions if you had the right team behind it with a little bit of passion for the actual project. Yeah. Yep. There you go. See, we told you. Yeah. We tried to explain. Don't believe <laughs> us. Just take his word for it. Absolutely. Simple. Simples. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Bubble bubble. We loved it. It's great. It, go play it. You know, and it's just a really, if you can play it two players, that's, that's even better. You yeah. will have a Do lot it. of fun. A lot, lot Do of it. fun. Yeah. So there we go. So let's move on to our next one because I'm sure it can be, it's going to be just as good. All right. But before we get into our next one, Graham, I'm going to give you another stat. Go for it. Um, do you know what the um, ASCII code uh, sixty four is? Uh, number sixty four is for? Uh, I don't. It is the at symbol. That makes a lot of sense. There you go. So, so yeah, the ASCII code sixty four gives you the at symbol. That's it. There you go. That's your interesting stat between these two <laughs> games. <laughs> I've got loads more. <laughs> there are there's more coming. Yeah, keep 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 them coming. <laughs> I'll keep them coming. <laughs> Hello, this is Chris Abbott from C64audio.com. I've spent enough time around Rob Hubbard to know how important gruff northern tones are when they're telling you what's good and what's bad. And Zap to the Past always tells me what's good and what's bad. And you know what they said? They said you should go to C64audio.com because it's quite good. Um, We'll see what goes on. Anyway, Graham. You can have this one. Further Adventures of Alice in Videoland. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the person behind this is apparently somebody called Keith Priestley with the musician Peter Jamers. Jammers? It doesn't matter, really. So for this piece of shit, I went back to the source. <laughs> the so- What's the source? <laughs> Alison in Videoland, of course. So the so- the- I say the source. The originating title for this is Alice in Videoland by John Fitzpatrick. That was produced or published by Audiogenic at the time. Back in 1984. Pretty dull game. Nice looking. Quite pretty. Somebody had taken a lot of time on a graphic tablet in some way to draw a lot of that, but it, was not, it wasn't really a, a coherent game. So why am I doing this, you might ask? Well, I needed to do that because this Bug Bite um, budget release is the sequel to that game. So this is the further adventures of Alice in Videoland. Now, Alice in Videoland wasn't great. So did it need a sequel? Did it need a budget sequel at $2.99? No, it did not. And no, it really didn't. So, so it's all credited to Keith Priestley. And what this actually is, is a it's clearly a freeze frame of the game from another source. Another, it is. That's, this is what it is. So just to, because Zap make mention of this in their tiny review, and it's probably worth mentioning, a freeze frame, just for a simple description, is where a cartridge, like the final cartridge, the expert cartridge action replay, is used to freeze the entire game in memory and then compress it and save it to a tape or disc with the new loader, which would load it in in an expediated format. In short, creating a copy or backup, which is the preferred term, um, <laughs> of said game. So a clear indication of such a game that's been captured and frozen in this way 
is when it loads and it starts because the screen kind of unfreezes. So it starts with a kind of a frozen like, and yeah. then if you imagine mm-hmm. something like defrosting uh, or unscrambling uh, and then starting from where it was frozen, that's kind of what it does. These cartridges just simply froze the whole 64K and then just dumped it to dumped it to a and and then compressed it and then dumped it to a, a format that you could load in very quickly. So the problem here is that this was frozen from a disc-based game. Mm-hmm. And the problem there is, of course, that when you get to the end of the level, it's looking for a new level on the disc, which doesn't exist because this has been frozen and dumped and transferred to tape. So there's an issue, of course, which is that this is not going to work for long, which it doesn't. So you can start this game, you can play the first level, you get the menu and you can start it as much as you want to say menu. You can look at Alice throwing a ball to the cat in the fireplace all you like it's not pretty to look at to be honest it's quite quite horrible really and then when you actually do if you do get to the end of the level it's just going to crash because it's broken this game is fundamentally broken hence mm-hmm. three percent so what is the what do you get to play for your three percent well it's actually difficult to find out a lot about this game because i did a quite a bit of digging to see if it was in uh, the games that weren't or that there's anything written about it and there isn't really a great deal. It's just a it's a crappy, broken game that was released, I think, to rip people off. So, like I said, it's developed by Audiogenic, produced and and published by I think was it Bug Bite? Yeah. It's a side-scrolling runner of a game that sees you as Alice running from left to right, and this level that you can play, avoiding stuff. Now, I'm not sure how this ties into Lewis Carroll's um, Alice in Wonderland. Pretty sure that never happens in either Alice in Wonderland or Alice with the Looking Glass, but what do I know? And it's just using the nomenclature of the book, so it's just got the terminology and the names. I don't think Lewis Carroll, I think he would actually get out of his grave, jump up and punch people in the face, and start, you know, he's going to go on a cock punch. He's going to be angry about this. <laughs> It does seem to have the main sprite from the first 1984 game, but no other graphic similarities. And there's some music-ish, but it's basically unplayable with horrible-looking brown mountain backgrounds that actually look like huge piles of shit. Crappy sprites, including being attacked by a badly drawn door. Now, I'm no artist. I'm not. But I even, even I could draw a door. Um, mm-hmm. But these are so crap that they're not even drawn at the right angle. So these no. doors that fly at you are drawn at the wrong angle for the screen, which is kind of incredible, really. Terrible. There's also, I, I want to say lizards. Um, I think, I'm not sure, the dragons, I think, lizards, reptiles, they're not good. It doesn't matter what they are. They're just a crappy, crappy piece of crap. This is just a ripoff. This is a ripoff. Even at 2.99, this is a genuine, bona fide travesty ripoff. I don't know quite what happened here in the production. I don't, I, I'm just guessing that this is what they got. So this is what they put out. There is clearly no QA process involved at all with the output, which is kind of a terrifying thing when you think about it. You'd never get away with anything like this now. So this should have been given for me, never mind giving it 3%, which gives it credence and understanding and relevance. It gives it 3%. It gives it 3%. Even though it's a low percent, it gives it it gives it a weight of 3%, that there is something about it that's tangible and good. I would give this zero. It is a ripoff. It's broken. doesn't work. It's clearly just a freeze frame of something that was on disc that should never have been put out. It's a travesty and it's arsehole. And I'll tell you what, I'm not the only person that thinks that because, handily enough, Brendan from the Hands-On Gaming podcast equally thinks this game is wonderful. No, he doesn't really. He really doesn't like it. But (laughs) listen to this and don't take my word for it. Just check this out. So I wanted to do a review for this game because I honestly thought I hadn't played it before. And when, you know, I loaded up through emulation, the memories came flooding back. 
the horror of it. <laughs> it was on, on one of my friend's Dodgy Day bootleg discs. I remember this distinctly. We loaded this game up once and never ever again. So that just gives you some sort of idea where this review is going. As soon as you load this thing up, you greet it with... Uh, what is called music, I guess. <laughs> it's done by John A. Fitzpatrick. If you know that dude, I recognize his name because I play Bruce Lee so much. He did the music for Bruce Lee, which is okay. I've always had a kind of soft spot for that tune, even though it's not that great. But he also did Zorro's music. And if you played Zorro, man, after like three minutes of that game, the music absolutely drives you insane. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's good old Johnny boy. And this game is made up of basically just a bunch of mini games. And I actually like that gameplay style. It actually starts off pretty good. Uh, title screen and then you got, you know... The rabbit jumping down into Wonderland or Videoland in this case. And then as Alice, you jump down there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This was cool. You're falling down the rabbit hole. And then the game just goes south after that, literally. You seem like, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on in this game. You're just falling down this endless tunnel and pieces of furniture flying at you and it's all psychedelic and you grab keys to open doors there's no doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to any figure out it just gets super frustrating immediately it totally reminds me of the uh, paul norman game caverns of kafka which i'm not a fan of at all it's an absolute mess of a game this is exactly this this has the same vibe you know the graphics are messy the sound is awful it sounds like it's out of key all the time the gameplay is just like so unresponsive <laughs> you know some of the later levels i had to do some level skipping because the maze whatever opening door thing was just insane some of the later levels are okay they're definitely not as bad but the uh the first level which you basically introduced to just destroys the whole game completely the other ones are mediocre at best but it could have been this this game actually could have been pretty good but uh I think it's just complete lack of programming skills. Uh, pretty much doomed this one. The music is awful. It just grates on you. Alice in Videoland. I know Zap gave it like 3% or something. It's That is like pretty harsh. I've, <laughs> I don't think I'd give it that. I mean, it's a terrible game, but don't play this. Just don't. See? See what I told you? See? That's what he thought. You know what I think? Crap. What do you think? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> you talk, are you talking, talking to me? To me? You're talking, I'm not saying anyone else. Are you talking to me? Uh, I'll be good if we, No, we're talking to you, listener. What do you think? Tell us. <laughs> what do um, you? What about you? Oh, uh, what do I think? This is a deeply depressing release on just about every level. Um, there's really nothing of merit here beyond the, sto- the actual story of the budget tape release of this from Bugbite. I mean, to, I, 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 <laughs> to simply freeze frame the disc version, slap it on a tape... And then not check that it worked. I think it's borderline criminal. Stupid. This is, a, this is a you know something for the trading standards. This is a this is you buying a, a sofa and it's got no no seats, no something. It's got nothing. No foam. No foam in it or anything. You know, or someone's just freeze framed another sofa and given you that. It's sent um, you a picture of a sofa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like buying a telly and none of the uh, connectors works. It's just dreadful. This is one of the rankest games I've had the mispleasure to look at on this podcast. It's graphically crap, orally offensive, and genuinely stinks from every orifice. It's a truly low watermark for the C64 software scene, and it should be scrubbed from history and never spoken of again. There you go. Just say what you think. <laughs> Just let that's, it out. <laughs> that's what I think of you, Harvey. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think there's going to be any dre- argument from anybody about that. 
I mean, even if if the first level was okay to play, but as you've rightly noted, it's it, there's nothing to it. And also, and I, I do actually want you to put this in here, put the speech in. Yeah. That bit of speech okay. as it starts. <laughs> Curiouser and curious ass. <laughs> I'm doing it. It's going to go in right now. Oh, I just awful. And and what you said, I mean, it starts with the sort of intro screen, doesn't it, of her playing with the with the cat with the ball, whatever. And then when you die, only then do you get the menu it's weird. because of the, because of the nature. Of, they've not even bothered to freeze frame it and sort of save nope. it on the menu screen. No, nope. because, because that would be even su- worse, wouldn't it? I suppose at that point you could have then picked level two and realised that you couldn't do anything. It would just yep. crashed and oh, what a nightmare! What you ain't an going awful, nowhere. Awful thing. I can't believe anyone sanctioned this. No, it, it's just shocking. It is shocking. But what we should do is ask Steve from the Retro Asylum podcast what he thinks. The other thing I wanted to say is um, I did. Did have a very very quick look at Alice in Video Land because I saw on your list that it had it got three percent. So I thought I've got to have a look at this. So I had a look on YouTube just to have a quick glance at what that was all about. And oh my god, what an absolute pile of crap! My word, um, it's basically like someone. It's it's a, it's a one screen fall down a hole, fall through garish colours and horrible graphics with horrible sound. Um, and then switches to what looks like a chess game and then uh, some weird, weird pinball-style game. It's, I don't know. Absolute utter rubbish. So um, I'm looking forward to the two of you absolutely trashing that. I do I do enjoy your descriptions of uh, games that you hate. <laughs> Very enjoyable. But yeah, anyway, guys, congratulations on getting to episode 64. Uh, the show's brilliant. I love it. Tune in all the time. Um, I'm a few episodes behind because you've done that many. I'm trying to catch up, um, but I'm absolutely loving it. Uh, enjoyed having you guys on our show as well. So yeah, congratulations on where you're up to and keep it going. Loving it. All the best. Uh, as much as it pains me, Graham, to keep going on about this Cacola game, we've got contributions. So, you know, they played it as well. We told them, we told them not to eat because we played it for them. But, you know, our amazing patrons and other people. Maybe they wanted to experience the 3% of happiness you're going to get from switching it off. <laughs> yeah. Before so, it switches uh, itself off. <laughs> yeah, because it just crashes. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, so David Hearn has written about the further adventures of Alice in Wonderland. He said, further, how on earth did the original malware from 1984 ever warrant a sequel? Well, it starts well with a blocky intro screen where Alice, based on Alice in Wonderland, it seems, throws a ball for her cat to fetch before warming herself by the fire with a simple ditty in the background. The scale is a concern, though, as the door is about three times the height of Alice. Perhaps she's broken into a giant's house. Or she could have had the shrink potion thing, just saying. And I would substitute the term simple ditty for god-awful dirge, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, each to their own. You know, we're not uh, we're not music shaming. Starting <laughs> the game, after speech that sounded like, cheetah, batch, enjoy yourself. <laughs> okay, which makes as much sense as the rest of the game. It's space bar to pause and return to resume. Ah, then blocky Alice floats out as though possessed, arriving she on a does. brown... I suspect poo-stained footpaths battling against Ew. green pigeons. I'm not sure why, but Alice seems to have a squid on her back and her mouth is agape, probably at the fact this game ever got released. And for three quid, I jumped up and headbutted a pigeon and then a pink door. This time, less than half Alice's height appeared and chased me. Soon I was on a pink path, which was identical to the poo one. More pigeons came at me along with what looked like a cross between Big Bird and Sid Vicious. More doors <laughs> passed and pigeons awaited. And although the colours changed each time a door got me, I think it's just the start of the same level. 
Feels like you push the scrolling along, Alice enthusiastically power walking past the rubbish backdrops, as keen to escape the game as you will be. All the while, listen to a crap tune that loops every 30 seconds. Mm. You lose a life when you touch too many pigeons, so I figured out the object was to get to the end of the level. I tried, and you can jump the little doors. I got a long way down the path, but the level didn't end, and how how I prayed it would. I played the virtual tape version where once you get to the end of the level, the game resets, trying to load level two off the non-existent disc. There was a safe ploy. This was a safe ploy on Bugbite's side. No one was going to stick around to the end of the first level. A few seconds into the game, you'd know you'd been conned. Utter shite. Rated 3% too high. Wow. All I'd say, yes. though, is that if that's what pigeons look like in Australia, I'm never going. <laughs> Especially if you, can, if you that, you can lose a life by touching too many pigeons. I didn't yeah, know that. I'm never, I'm never going to Australia. Those never Australian ever. pigeons are a tough ombre, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're massive mean. and horrible. Good Lord. Absolutely. Um, now, as if that wasn't information enough to thwart you from the journey of ever encountering that god-awful piece of shit game, um, Dr. Goggles has also submitted some keen information, which I must now discuss with you okay so let me so let me just uh, re- regale you with this i was ke- he's written uh, quote <laughs> i was keen <laughs> i was keen to our sources according to our sources ipso facto concordantly i was keen to play this and see how truly awful a game could be it definitely lived up to the hype awful graphics awful sound awful gameplay I couldn't find instructions, which probably didn't help much. They wouldn't have helped if you could have found no, them, to be they fair. wouldn't. No, the instructions I walk, right. The Don't hit doors or pigeons. Off. Yeah, turn off, if it, it, or we'll turn it off for you. Anyway, um, so to go back into Mr. Goggles' review. Ergo. After throwing a ball for your cat a couple of times for some unknown reason, um, I'm guessing he's never owned a cat, um, Alice climbs <laughs> through the mirror uh, <laughs> and says, what, what do you want me to throw this for, for some reason? What, <laughs> are, you, what are you? What do you want, fun? What are you, a cat? <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. Um, Alice climbs through the mirror and ends up in a world which consists of su- of a pseudo 3D road along the lines of Staff of Karnath type games, and you have to keep moving left to right. For some reason, dragons fly at you, but die at your touch at first, then suddenly you die. True. Yeah. I thought they were dragons, to be fair. I did as um, well. Pigeons. I'm never going. Never going. <laughs> well, pigeons and dragons are interchangeable in <laughs> Australia, which means that I'm thinking Lord of the Rings over there must look weird. If Smog is a Smog is a giant pigeon. It's even more terrifying. It's getting it's actually kept becoming quite scary. Anyway, for some re- unknown reason, you are pursued by doors. That's true. Not the doors, but just doors, which chase you and immediately zap you back to the start of the level. After a while, you can get the hang of jumping over the doors to avoid them, as they keep on moving left to right, but more of them keep coming, and one slip up and zap back to square one. All of this accompanied by the most annoying tune ever which seems to loop after about two seconds. Didn't stick with it long enough to see any of the subsequent levels, of which there are four, apparently. You'll never see them. Um, I have to say, as bad as it is, I expected worse for 3%. I'm not sure it's actually any worse than Cobra or Staff of, uh, or Karnov. Is that Staff of Karnov? Or no, Karnov? it's just Karnov. We haven't got to that yet. All right, Cobra or Karnov, both of which got 13%. In summary, a proper why bother of a game. Utterly pointless. Yeah. No Absolutely. arguments from me on that one. No, yeah. exactly. But you know, as bad as Cobra was, it it was it did work. Yes, it wasn't just it, it wasn't just action replayed onto a tape. <laughs> yeah, it's, it still amazes me that they got yeah. away with that. Absolutely. So. Yeah, Dennis Quaid, by the way, he's in the uh, in Australia. He's in a pigeon heart. <laughs> <laughs> the pigeon exposes his heart to him. I feel like this pigeon giant pigeon is is not necessarily. I'm not feeling legendary around it. Put it that way. I'm imagine he's having that conversation. It's not, make, it's not making me feel good about being a knight in shining armor. <laughs> I 
I've killed all the pigeons across the land. You're next. Um, not, yeah. Just giant fluttering and walking away with giant head struts. Wow. You're coughing up some dust with that kind of head strutting going on there. Wow. Anyway, I digress. You we digress. digress. We've, di- we've digressed. We As do, we always we do. do. We do that. Tangents avoided. <laughs> not. <Yeah. laughs> Let's move along. Alice in Video Land sounds like a really crap 80s film as well. It does, yes. Yeah, a, a British uh, a British film made with really crap effects. Yeah, really like bad. Like Krull. It's like Krull standard. <laughs> yeah. With loads and loads of uh, blue screen. The, the, <laughs> the, the black outlines would be strong in this one. <laughs> no, I think it would, yeah. I think there'd be some weird transformations that wouldn't work. Oh, uh, yeah, it would be. Or, or either that or it'd be a, a BBC series. Oh, God, no. No. Along, along the lines of, yeah, terribleness. There we go. Very bad. But before, uh, there you go, just to cheer, cheer you up, here's another stat. Oh, go for it. A uh, question, actually, it's a question sort of thing. What is number 64 in hexadecimal? Oh, God. Uh, 5A? <laughs> it's 40. Of course it is. It's 40. Yeah, it and is. can you tell me what it is in binary? No. <laughs> it's one and six zeros. Okay. There good. you go. That's good to know. There you go. So if you need, if anyone asks you, like some mugger says, I'm going to steal some stuff for you unless you can tell me what 64 is in hexadecimal. <laughs> You've now got the answer. It's 40. 40. 40. Yeah. 40. And, and one six zeros. Because obviously that would be, because it's, it's the seventh bit, isn't it? That's interesting, actually, because I think 41 is A, the character A in the C64 car set. On yeah. A, uh, I believe it is. Okay. Yes. It is. Um, there you go. That's your start for the next one. Let's move on to our next game. Which is another budget title, but it's not like the last one. This is Deliverance. So this is from, who was this from? This was from the Powerhouse. I didn't know who made this, so apologies for that. But tell me, Graham, or maybe I did, I don't know. Maybe it's in there. I've done a lot this week. Tell me if you've heard this one before, Graham. This is a left-to-right scrolling platformer where you have to rescue a princess. It sounds very familiar. So it um, yeah. Does it have a banjo player that uh, and some un- unfortunate sequences in the uh, in the Midwest America? Unfortunately, no. This this game does not squeal like a pig. Um, um, so yeah, so you've got to presume rescue a princess who's been kidnapped. So in this variant on the tale, our unlikely rescuers are a pair of robots called Jim and Bob. Why is this called Deliverance? Boy, weird, isn't it? Because it bring, brings up un- unpleasant images. They'd be gritting his teeth and going. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bit pleasant. Nobody wants to see that. No, Burt Reynolds without a moustache. And what this means is that the game can be played either singly or in two-player mode, but not that it really matters that much, but we'll get to that. Deliverance, then, is a left-to-right scrolling platformer, yes, but here's the catch. This is one of those newfangled auto-scrollers where the screen is constantly scrolling and you have to navigate the platforms and enemies without being able mm. to stop because contact with the left-hand side of the screen is instant death. Yes, we've mentioned it a few times, but what we have here is something akin to Jetpack Joyride, that we kind do. of thing. It's actually more, but probably more in line with the re- a really slow geometry dash as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, yeah. So the top half of the screen shows the scrolling landscape, which is made up of some chunky grey mountains in the background. Uh, the title screen is bizarre, by the way. There's a monster on the title screen. I presume that's the first thing that's um, kidnapped the monster. Yeah, I think thing. so. And then there's the two droids down at the bottom. It don't matter. There's some chunky grey mountains in the background, and in the foreground are droid or droids, and the platforms. It's all very grey. The droids, the backdrops, the platforms. If you like grey, then this is for you. I did read that this was uh, John Major's favourite game, uh, but but I could be wrong. <laughs> Topical bit of politics, eh? Bit, bit um, of politics, bit of politics, eh? <laughs> 
Jim, player one, um, is a rotund... Uh, not, I'm not calling you Jim. Jim is the name of the player one. He's a rotund droid, whereas Bob, player two, is a blue and grey affair that is hard to describe. I don't know what he looked like. It, I didn't know. I couldn't, couldn't... It's sort of weird. Anyway, the point of this game is to navigate the landscape as it scrolls towards you. There are various hazards on the landscape that spell instant death, as well as enemies that again spell instant death. Contact with anything but the floor or platforms spells instant death. Now, there are some interesting elements to this. When played in two-player, you both play at the same time. And, well, that is interesting, I guess. It's let down by there being no interaction whatsoever between the two droids. And that's a bit of a, of a letdown. It would be nice to, if they sort of bounced off each other or you could use each other and speed up whatever. Because you can see how much fun and annoyance can be had when you get those kind of interactions in a platform game. When Nintendo do it in things like New, New Super Mario Brothers way down the line, um, you know, you will be screaming at the other person playing as I often found myself. Yes. Um, yes, why am I in a bubble again? <laughs> Dickhead. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really it, you find yourself screaming at an eight year old, <laughs> which is never yeah, a good thing to do. It's not nice to say. Fear on their faces as, as you forget. As <laughs> yeah. you forget. And you go, wah, wah, yeah. It all becomes about the goal. <laughs> not you know, blame the no, game, not the sorry, player. That's what sorry, they say, isn't it? So. Sorry, Dad, I didn't mean to. It's a game. I'm 40 odd years old. I need to stop shouting at an eight year old. That's <laughs> it. Hate the game, not the player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second thing I've noticed is that the landscape is randomly generated each time you play. So, again, this kind of thing we'll see in things like Jetpack Joyride and the like. But if, it feels quite interestingly new here. I don't think we've seen a sort of an auto scrolling platformer with, an, with a randomly, procedurally, sort of weirdly generated landscape. I don't think we've seen anything like that so far. Um, it's kind of odd. So the only issue here is that the placement of the enemies is not randomized. So there's a what looks something that looks like a drill right at the very start, and I avoided that for quite some time until I realized if you pick that up, it's a gun, um, um, and then it allows you to shoot. But it doesn't really make things easier because doesn't the actual... Help. No, it doesn't. So you will... It's just re- really hard because the, the problem we've got here is the random placement of the platforms. Sometimes it just doesn't give you allow you to get past the enemies with it constantly auto-scrolling and the way that you, you jump. Because you're constantly walking, if you just press up, you kind of do a little jump. But if you press top right, you'll do a bigger jump. It's kind of useful, but it's sometimes... It's, how often it does the small jump when you want it to do the big jump, I found quite frustrating. And because of the way it's auto-scrolling and because of the platform's coming and the enemies, you don't have time to figure out a way past them, even though you know they're coming. But, you know, just death is what happens. It's back to the beginning because it's another one of them. You just go back to the beginning. There's a radar at the bottom showing you how far in you've got, but it's of no use because you'll just get that two, two blocks in or something like that and then back to the beginning. That's the issue with this, really. Lives last seconds, but there's a plodding. But there's a, there are plodding few seconds, really, because it's not very fast or anything. Death is instantaneous, and the frequent and the lack of reward for getting anywhere makes wanting to try and get actually get good at this something you just don't want to do. The bland grey visuals also take the toll, and the overall feeling is that once again, there's some nice tech here has gone to waste in a game that doesn't uh, does not take into account the player's journey through it. Having to rely on a lucky series of platforms to try and get past fixed enemies is not a good way to design the game, and here that is a real issue. The game comes down to reliance on a random number seat to allow passage, and I felt that that was something I didn't didn't want to engage with. The game must give the player the feeling that they can progress at all times, but this felt like progress was arbitrary, and the slow nature of the game and the dull visuals make it uninspiring. That's what I thought. Graham, what about you? Diddle do 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 do. Um, this is <laughs> this is not as advertised uh, a weird backwater movie turned mm. turned game. Sorry, no, it's, it's not. No. No, thankfully. which is good, which is a good thing, because then, you know, we looked at Death Wish 3 last time. I was just time. thinking, thankfully, yeah. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we, thankfully, they avoided that. Yeah. This is a naff frustrating scrolling, uh, for me, 
A naff, frustrating, scrolling, endless walker, the game. You control a badly drawn dustbin, from what I could see. It ambles across an endless scrolling landscape as you hop and skip around, avoiding things on the endlessly scrolling background. It's okay-ish, graphically. Backgrounds look nice. The main sprite, okay. It's a bit dusty bin-like, but it looks all right. I guess, for me, the game just felt very samey and very tiresome very quickly. But it is £2, and we have to mm. give it a little bit of credit for that. You're not going to get some great, well, we say this, it's in the £2 world, it's not a great £2 game, but it's not badly put together and at least it isn't broken. It isn't a freeze frame of something that's, you know, crap. So it, there is a whole game here, at least. It just, I don't know how much enjoyment you're getting out of it, but would you get £2 worth of enjoyment out of it? Well, Zap thought you'd get 43% of that. I'd be inclined to agree with them. It's not terrible, but it's not. It's not Ace, is it? There's better 199 games, though. It's not. Yeah. Well, yeah, there isn't. But again, don't you take our word for it? Or maybe not, because I think actually someone found this that they actually did like this a little bit more than we did. So let's hand over to Daz from the Hands On Gaming podcast. And let's see what he has to think. Hey, everyone, it's Daz here. Um, My first review is uh, Deliverance, obviously, on the C64. Um. I went into. I chose this game because I thought I was thinking of actually Deliverance to uh, Stormlord. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I loaded it up and uh, I've never played this as a kid. Funny enough, this is my quick review anyway. So um, I, I jumped in here and I thought, okay, uh, the title screen's okay, nothing special. You know, he's got this little monster thing there at the front. Cool music. I liked, I really liked the music. The layers uh, were really cool. Like there's a lot, there was a lot involved in the music, which was great. And you could choose between a one or two play game. And um, anyway, I started the game and I'm thinking, okay, this, this is strange. The the stages kept scrolling and I thought, wow. Okay. This reminded me of a mobile game, funny enough. And I'm like, this is so tough. And then, like, this first thing that comes for is this, uh, well, I thought it was a, a drill. So I'm dodging this thing and I'm jumping all these platforms, getting hit all the time, by the way. You're just consistently getting hit, getting hit. This game's just ridiculously hard. I mean, the pixel-perfect jumping is, is needed, firstly. There are so many enemies that just come for you. I thought, this, this is really tough. So I'm playing for another 10 minutes thinking, okay, what? What else? What else happened? I can't pass this level. Anyway, so anyway, I uh, accidentally touched this drill at the start of the level. The drill wasn't a drill; it was actually a, a gun. So that helped a lot. So after I picked that up, I could actually shoot things, which made the game a little bit more bearable. So the more I played it, the more I started to enjoy it. Um, what I did enjoy though was that the levels were auto uh, generated; they just changed every time. I mean, there was little bits of similarities here and there, but it wasn't always the same level. Still, I couldn't pass the first level, and I thought it was tough as nails. I like there was actually a map at the bottom as well. It shows your progress, like Moon Patrol. So you've got like a little long map there and you've got a little dot and it shows where you are. So you can see when you're near the end. I didn't even get halfway ever. I mean, and I was playing this for close to half an hour. Overall, I enjoyed it. I think it was, wasn't the worst of games. Uh, I did like it. So um, look, I would probably go back and play it. I think this would be perfect as a, as a mobile game. So uh, that's my review. And there you go. He's wow. a bit more positive, a bit more positive yeah. on it than we are. But they, very they, positive, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it clearly got very into his deliverance, which worries me a little bit. That, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. 
He does have a real pretty mouth, though, doesn't he? Does. He does, and uh, he does like the banjo, as far as from what, from what I've read. <laughs> he plays um, a mean banjo, let me tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, uh, before we say anything that will get us into legal trouble, um, <laughs> let's, yeah, move uh, let's, let's move on quickly to uh, our next game, but not before another stat. I'm going to give you some, um, some, some number stats. Um, okay. Do you know that number 64 is the smallest number with exactly seven divisors? I didn't know that. <laughs> there you go. It is also the lowest positive power of two that is adjacent to neither a Mersin pr- prime nor a Fermat prime. There's different kinds of prime? Yeah, there's Rodimus, Optimus. <laughs> Optimus, I was going to say. <laughs> Fermus, whatever that was. <laughs> and just the last one, 64 is the sum of Euler's totient function for the first 14 integers. integers. And in English? <laughs> <laughs> 64 is the sum of Euler's totient function okay. for the first 14 integers. Well, Okay, okay. I think you just cast a spell from Harry Potter, but okay. <laughs> Who knew all these interesting things were about the number 64? I know, it's crazy. It is literally crazy. It is literally crazy. So uh, on the back of that math madness, let's move into our next game. And Graham, you can tell us all about Destructo. Or Destructo. Doctor Destructo, or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's Destructo, Doctor Destructo, the Mad Dog. There's different names. Destructo is what I saw it as. It's a one ninety nine budget game from Bulldog. The creator of this magnificent uh, game is Richard Applin. He did the Invader Load thing. Do you remember Invader Load? That was on. I think it was on quite a few games. Invader Load when it was loading, it would load this little in Space Invaders oh, yeah. type game. Yeah, it was loading. It's quite a cool idea. Title screen was also by Richard Applin. The musician here was David Whittaker. Dave Whittaker, everyone. Dave Whittaker. There you go. Exactly. Keep your applause to a uh, 10 second loop, please. <laughs> no longer. Hey, 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 hey. Anyway. <laughs> So the mad Dr. Destructo is planning to take over the world with his fleet of ships. Not liking the sound of that, the Air Force has been summoned and sent on a mission. Send Dr. Destructo and his fleet to a watery grave before they get out of the dock. Yes, yes. You can play one or two players and you basically have to shoot the enemy aircraft out of the skies so they go crashing into the ship below. Eventually, when the ship has been damaged enough, it will sink and then it's on to the next ship. So this is a... Single screen sky shooter. A sky shooter. Have, you, have we had many of those sky shooters like this? Mm, I don't think we have. Not really. So you navigate your aeroplane through the skies, shooting the aeroplanes out. And it's kind of a weird, you navigate and rotate your aeroplane around the skies. It reminded me a little bit of an Atari 2600 game, which maybe it's based on, I don't know. Um, but it has that kind of feel about it. It's all in one screen and doing all of that. So for a second, though, initially, when the music started, I thought it was the Danger Mouse music because it, it sounds exactly like the opening few bars of the Danger Mouse score. It's not, though. And it's got oddly childlike graphics in this. Did you know? It's, did you think that as well? Uh, yes. It's, yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, it felt to me like a Chuggington version of a sea battle. So imagine this is ni- 1942, retold by Chuggington. Chuggington, chugga 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 chugga. Today, kids, we're gonna look at the battle of the, na- the battle of whatever it was. So there's loads to shoot at. This obviously the guy can command the multiplex here. So there's quite a lot to shoot at. And the idea is that you've got to shoot, go around, shoot enough planes, and the planes drop down, and it sinks the ship, and then you go to the next one, and it's all about you know, doing that a lot. And each ship is different, but 
essentially the logic is the same. You get varying types of enemies. Some of them are impossibly difficult to shoot before you can do that. And the idea is that you've got a number of lives. It's kind of arcade mentality, really, in that respect. And I, I think it kind of works in that way. So it's two pounds. There's loads to shoot at. It's a very simple premise. Might it fill an afternoon for a couple of quid? Uh, the music is weird in this game. And it, I didn't think it didn't fit with the game at all. I mean, sometimes Dave Whitaker gets the music right. I think, I think that, um, Amarote. That- Amaro is a good is the one I was yeah. thinking of, yeah. And uh, something like BMX simulator uh, night, games, night Games. And sometimes it just doesn't suit the game. This doesn't suit the game. It, this kind of the presentation of this game. So when you start level, you get this kind of bullets, like bullet holes in the A-team style in the screen. All of that kind of makes you think this game is going to be way better than it is. So when it finally arrives and it's kind of this one screen buzzing around the air shooter thing it doesn't quite work for me but let me stop you there again graham because uh we've had more information once again uh from roger dodger more you say more More information what more could you do well you know we've got some information further information on the on the duplo island of dr destructo um because he has fond memories of the island of dr destructo Uh, maybe he went on holiday there which uh, i don't know maybe that's why he's got uh fond memories (laughs) he says he played it around his mates stewart Stuart was his friend all afternoon, one summer, and he absolutely loved it. They loved it so much, he seems to recall, I even made a dodgy Dave copy of it. Not condoning that mm, on this podcast. No, no. It's shocking behavior. Uh, other than that, though, the most he can recall about the game is that it involved shooting planes. Oh, that, that's all you need to True. recall. <laughs> that's all you need to remember. That, <laughs> that's <yeah>. it. <laughs> there is nothing that's, more. Pretty, I seem to think it was it. about shooting planes. Yeah, 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 you got it. Yeah, that's it. You got um, it. Before we go any further, though, let's consider what we're up against here. This is a Mastertronic game from 1987, costing £1.99, which I thought was great when I was eight years old. Doesn't bode well, does it? No. 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 Upon starting the game, it's greeted with an animation of a series of bullet holes appearing on screen, which felt very familiar. First impressions, this seems quite fun. Shoot down the planes to sink the ship and complete each level. On my first go, I I easily sink the first ship. On the second level, I fail miserably, repeatedly getting killed by the blue planes. After a couple more goes, I manage to get to the fourth ship before dying again, and I think that'll do. All in all, for two quid, the game isn't too bad. Certainly not as bad as I thought it would be. It exceeded his fairly low expectations. Imagine it gets repetitive fairly quickly but it's quite ni- quite nicely presented and it's probably slightly more fun with two people don't ask me i can't remember hmm. most things are more fun with two people you know <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> neutralize the electro scan <laughs> especially on the <laughs> island of dr destructo <laughs> yeah. to be fair there's not a, not a great deal more to that game is they just fly around the skies those yeah. blue planes are really annoying he's right though and you're never going to get past them they just come and kill death 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 yeah and they, they hide oh. within the red planes it's like they've got oh, you know, they're, really they're, they're sneaky sneaky they are and uh, yes, annoyed me, are. but yeah. So, well, thank you very much, Roger, for your your memories. Yes, absolutely, and, uh, memories of being on the island of Doctor Destructo. So, most pleasant. Thank you. So, it's passable as a single screen shooter goes. It's not terrible. It's playable enough, but I don't think it's going to keep you wanting to go back for it for too long because it's just the same thing over and over and over and over again. There's nice weird touches in it as well. Like there's a day and night cycle in this as well. Yes. So there's little odd touches that make it kind of interesting in a similar way to a C16 game we looked at by Sean Southern that had a sort of a sh- this kind of vibe about it. But the gradual difficulty of the enemy will overwhelm you, um, but it's £2. And for £2, is it quite good value? Zap thought it was 61% with her value. I would kind of agree. It is a kind of a just a very sort of standard single screen shooter. The graphics aren't terrible. They're all right, but they are kiddie-ish. 
So mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed my time playing it, but I took it in the respect that it was a one ninety nine pocket money game, and for that, would it we apply the you know, the Sunday afternoon, you know, rainy Sunday afternoon logic to it? Would it have occupied my time for a couple of hours on a rainy afternoon on a Sunday? Yes, it would. So I thought it was all right. It might have deserved a bit better than sixty one percent, but it was all right. What about you? Um, yeah. I think I'm pretty much the same. This, strangely enough, this reminded me. There's um was a game that came out in 2014. I don't know if you ever saw it called The Luft Rousers, made by Vlambia. Never heard um, of it. And it's a really, really good game. Um, I had it on the Vita, and it's on most most things. Um, and essentially, it's it, it's this, but done modern. So it's scrolling screen, lots of shaking, lots of thingy. But you're flying a plane above a small sort of sprite plane above a lot of stuff. You're trying to shoot ships. It's very similar. So it's, it's weird to see these things. Like we just saw that kind of like auto scroll, and now we see this. It's kind of weird to see these early versions of later games so you were you bang on right it felt to me i've noted that it feels like a fisher price bombing simulator that's what i've got so with its chunky style it's got chunky duplo style visuals a non-threatening depiction of maritime battles and planes crashing into ships in fireballs and the hell of ship sinking and so on there's none of that there's no you know no bodies on fire and there's no screaming here it's all you know duplo and fisher price fisher price death it's all that's good death yeah Yeah, that's nice um it's a strange game um, it does have a bit of an endearingly Moorish vibe to it because I think there's a weirdness to it. But after a while, that that does wane and it feels far too simplistic to hold your interest for very long. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't think what the ship at the bottom of the screen is when the aim is always the same because there's different ships as you progress through the levels, isn't there? Um, the way to do it never changes. If there were power-ups, shields, multi you know, things that you could improve your ship with to make the levels a bit more fun and stuff going on. It could have been a fun blaster, but it feels like it felt to me like a simple arcade game conversion from 1983 or four. Mm, absolutely. Um, and whilst you know, it could have been a good thing. It's just a bit too simple, really, to make the player want to engage with it for any length, kind of length of time. It just needed a bit more variety in stuff going on and your ability to deal with them because it gets very samey very quickly, screen after screen. And like you said, that that whole bullet bullet shots across the screen intro and stuff, it it belies the you know the Fisher Price visuals, the Chuggington style. It really bit. does. It's really weird. So um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. It's the, it I is the Battle of Midway well. done by a Chuggington. It is. Yeah, that's what it is. But yeah, sixty one percent, two quid. Yeah, probably. I'm not going to lose sleep over that. It's all right. But yeah, it's what it is, isn't it? That's what it, it is. is. Do you know what the um do you know how many games got 64% in zap for graphics? I don't. Have a guess. Uh eight. Up, up to this point. Up to this point, that is. So up to, up to October. Okay, okay um, up to this point. Um, yeah. four. Seven. Wow, okay. Seven so far. So there you go. That's just uh just sort of getting, you know, it's another another start, another fact. And what, what else we got? We got any other facts? Let's have a look. We've got loads of facts, so just keep on coming. Uh, 64 is also a dodecagonal number, dodecagonal number, and a centered okay. tri- and a centered triangular number. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's also the first whole number greater than one that is both a perfect square and a perfect cube. Yes, I knew it would be. Thank no. God. Eight yes. times eight and four times four times four. Bingo. Jackpot. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I'm full of them. You said get some stats. <laughs> <laughs> I took it upon myself and to get you some have stats. Definitely provided. <laughs> more loads more where that's come from. I got some good. Let's loads, keep, keep loads them coming. Absolutely. So we move on to the next game. We've we got should. one more. I think this is the last one for this section, uh, and then we'll do something else. So yeah, we've got one more game. 
Wait, how's this for a Zap to the Past episode 64 special treat? Thanks to that kindly fellow and podcast friend Chris Abbott, you can pop to c64audio.com armed with the code ZTTP64 to receive £10 off your shopping basket. There is a whole ton of brilliant C64 and Amiga albums, there's books, there's videos, there's merch, there's everything. Just enter the code ZTTP64 at the checkout. Drop by c64audio.com right now and get shopping. What are you waiting for? And that game is Cleanup Service. So it's Cleanup Service. It was the follow up to the, it's the sequel to It's Clean Up Time. Did we want a follow up to It's Clean Up Time? Uh, I'm not sure we did. We're not sure, but we got one. We've got Cleanup Service. It's once again by Carl Hornell, and this is released by Players. And it looks like a Carl Hornell game. Got chunky visuals and strange gameplay, like the rest of his stuff. So similar to Cleanup Time. We have the brothers Boban and Otto, and they're back again, and they're pressed into cleaning up the Adol Hotel, with the staff have all left because mutant rubbish is clogging up the place with piles of crap. Um, so if you played It's Cleanup Time, you know what to expect. But if you haven't, and here goes. The game is a single-screen ladder-climbing platformer. Think Space Panic, Burger Time, that sort of thing, where mutant piles of rubbish roam the platforms at speed and drop piles of garbage. The game is played either single or two players on screen at once, and it's here in that little bit that the main issue lies, but I'll come to that later. The first thing you must do is arm yourself, and you do this by heading heading to the handily placed box, capital B-O-X, that is in the centre of the screen. Once in front of the box, you can press up, which allows you to hide in it. Um, Pressing up again jumps out. Or you can pull down, and this is kind of what you actually want to do, because that then searches it, uh, and you can grab an item of inventory from the box. Uh, It's hard to say what some of these are, but I think what they are is, one of them is a gun, I think another is supposed to be a dustbin lid. The most useful of these is a broom. The gun will stun the mutant rubbish, but a swing of the broom will destroy them. Uh, But don't worry, because it's almost instantly another one will respawn on the screen. Uh, And the broom will also allow you to sweep up the piles of rubbish that the mutant rubbish leave in their wake. Oh, God, rubbish. And that's it. That's the game. You have to clear the screen of all the piles of trash just like in the first game, and then proceed on to the next level, so on and so on. Uh, The visuals are a step up from the first game. Uh, They're nicely coloured, and the sprites all have that very chunky style that we've seen in games like, his previous games like Velocipede, Velocipede 2, Fungus, Clean Up Time. He's got that sort of round, bouncy, chunky style to him. Um, The animations on the characters are nicely done. And again, like in It's Clean Up Time, there are a plethora of cutscenes and character to the whole thing. Uh, the title screen is also very well drawn, I thought, as well. It's a really nice title screen on this. Yeah, it's good. Um, um, and all this is good. And even the music's okay. So where does the issue lie? All right. Well, the game, the game problematically, has been tuned for two players. And it's just about impossible on one player. Or at least mm. I found it so. There are options at the start of the game, and one of them is the game speed. And if you're playing this on single player, put it on slow. It isn't slow, but it renders the game at least almost playable on your own. Um, Because the issue lies with the spawning of the mutant rubbish, the speed they move, and how quickly they drop rubbish to clean up. It's too much, too fast. Not only have you swiped the mutants uh, and cleared up the top level, then more have spawned and dropped rubbish on the lower levels. You go to clean this, but then they head up and do the same on the upper levels and repeat. And you can never seem to get on top of it. There's always rubbish because it's like three, usually three enemy sprites moving about dropping rubbish and they move randomly up the ladders, down the ladders, up the ladder. and you takes you a little bit of time to just clean the rubbish and it's, and there's just tons of it and you just can't, can't get going. I played it for ages. I really did this to give this a good go. I just could not get a grip on how to successfully clear a screen because I never did. I never got off level one. But I can see how working cooperatively, you could probably manage the onslaught of rubbish if you're working together because I think that's what this game is tuned for, as I said. It's a bit of a shame, really. The first screen, the first game, sorry, 
was balanced for single player. I got quite far into the first one, but this does not. He's, whoever he's done, he's upped the ante and, and aimed at two players. If it had been, this could have been a fun little arcade cleaning game, just like the first one was, but, you know, better because obviously it looks nicer, it sounds better, it, 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 it runs a bit faster, but it just isn't because it's almost impossible, or, so, or I found anyway. It's a little more balancing would have worked wonders on this. Now, it's telling because I, I thought, you know what, I'll have a look on YouTube. There's always long plays and stuff on YouTube and just to see how crap I am at some games and stuff like that, so I'll go and have a look. All the long plays of this that I found on YouTube are in two-player mode, and that told me everything I needed to know. There's no, I couldn't see one single-player long play on youtube so it i think it kind of figures that people realize that this needs to be played two player to get anywhere in it and that for me is a bit of a shame because i wanted to like this because i quite look it's clean up time but i think i'd just rather play the first one because at least it's possible in single player what about you same problem really it's a likable enough game this nice graphics perhaps a tad small and um, but the kind of work with its simple premise this game was clearly engineered around two players so if you had two players, it's probably fun. One player, not so much. Um, and the whole thing does feel good to play, but how long are you going to be playing it for? The single player game is just too overwhelming to be fun. And it's not immediately obvious how you progress in this either. So you can just wander around, going up down the ladders, you dive into the box, pick up the broom, pick up the dustbin lid. It's not immediately obvious really what all of that really means when you get constantly bombarded, which is kind of frustrating. It's got an arcade logic to it. and It is obviously clearly a direct lineage from the first one. So it's in that essence, it's not bad. It's not a bad game. The game is okay. And for $1.99, it's a good game. But like you said, the issue here isn't about the game and the look and the feel because it's all there, especially at £2. It's all there. Problem here is that you've constructed a game that is based around two players being able to succeed. And a one-player game, you can't. And that is a problem, isn't it? So mm-hmm. I liked it. I liked the first one, I think, a little bit. Um, it's got the same kind of simple look and feel. The graphics here are actually quite nice. I think they look quite nice. They look a bit like Monty Mole in a weird way, but um, the way you played the game looks quite nice. This was the one where you chose your your um, level, didn't you? It was an upside-down you know, you could choose left and right on your joystick and there was like a little graphic yeah. to shoot in the original one. Yeah, there was nice little touches to the original. They lost here a little bit. I think they had that got difficulty a... slider, didn't it? I yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, that was what I was alluding to. None of that is here. So it got eighty percent in their review. I think I think they've been a bit generous for what this is. Had this had a little bit more one player affordance, this could have been really good because it's a nice. The premise is good. And a good follow-on from what the original was, but it doesn't have those things. And you're not going to last much. I didn't get off the first screen either for the same reasons that you didn't get off the first screen. And that's because I wasn't playing it two-player. Yeah. So it's that's Shame, just, really. That's, yeah, it's a tragedy, really. But that's where I came with it. Clean-up service, two quid, all right. 80%, maybe. But you need two people, really, to get through it and really enjoy it. There you go. That's our games for uh, this part. Um, Graham, do you know what the first game in Zap to get... Did I say this one? No, I gave it a 64th game. What, what was the first game in Zap to get a 64% rating? Did I say this? No, I don't know. What is that? Um, it was for originality, and the game was Web Dimension. Oh, my God. Do you remember that? Closely yes. followed for originality by Shades. Oh, my... <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> I don't know. They both got 64 Are they drunk? I don't know. They're all in issue one. Well, you know what? That explains a great deal. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and just to round off, I'll give you. I'll give you one more. Do you know what the first game to get overall sixty four percent was? I want to say it was. Um, <laughs> You'll never guess. <laughs> oh no! I want to say it was something, but I'll never get it. What is it? You'll never get it. Was it was in issue three, and back then, obviously, the overall score was called Value for Money. 
Yes. Um, but the first 64% game was a game called Operation Whirlwind. Do you think there's one Did we, we didn't play look that? At? No, I don't think we looked uh, at that. Well, we're going to have to look back at some of these, aren't we, at some point? Yeah, because the other one that got it in that in that episode as well was a game called Gates of Dawn, which we didn't look which at either. We didn't look at either. Goodness me, this is terrible. I know. We are remiss. Remiss in our coverage of some of those well, early games. we'll be going back to try those out, and I'm pretty sure they'll uphold their 64%, 100%. We will. We will. That's a mathematical anomaly I don't even want to think about. <laughs> no, that's Fermat's theorem. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, something like that. Um, and just one more. Uh, 64 is the international dialing code for New Zealand. Good old New Zealand. I've yeah, always liked the, the New Zealands. <laughs> <laughs> what, the islands? The people? Yes, the place, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you call the, the what they what they call kiwis. That they, that's kiwis, the, I think. Yeah, the colloquial name for them. But yeah. I think do so, they grow yeah. kiwis in New Zealand? I guess they must. I don't think they grow kiwis. They're a they're a bird. Uh, that, that explains my, my <laughs> knowledge of both fruit and bird, and hence the reason Last I have a great time you tried to eat a kiwi. It was a very messy <laughs> affair. <laughs> it was awkward and catchy. <laughs> Very catchy. Kiwi's a bird anyway. Kiwi, yeah, kiwi's a bird anyway. Okay, kiwi fruit. Is there a fruit? I'm going <laughs> to have to look it up now. There's a kiwi, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure it's a bird. <laughs> is there is a, a, a fruit called the kiwi. Yeah, the kiwi bird. Yeah, yeah. I am. Oh, well, there we go. Anyway, that's this part done. <laughs> I think <laughs> on that note. We're we'll off. Be back. Yeah, we'll be back uh, after this short message. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through our first 60-odd episodes, and we're gonna, we have picked a game from every one of them which is our basically definitive list. So that's what we're going to do next. And uh, you can see if you agree with them. And we'll be back for that. See you in a bit. Delicious cream cakes and glorious iced buns to our amazing show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com. To show you how truly awesome he actually is, and because it's episode 64, you can get the Kindle version of David's latest book, Escape from the Commodore 64, for just 99p for this week only through Amazon. It's a genuinely brilliant read. In fact, let's have a sneaky listen to the audiobook, just to whet your appetites. Sarah turned on her heel and stomped back down the hall, turning to make sure she wasn't being followed. As she passed Reese's room, she saw the blue glow of his computer sitting idly on his desk. A hulking beige-brown mass, it always made Sarah think of the family bread bin whenever she saw it. Ooh, I got sucked into the computer, Sarah whispered. She looked left and right before making the split-second decision to creep into her brother's room. If he knew she was in there, he'd go spare. And everyone believes me because I'm so good. Well done. Five points for Reese. Oh, I'm a total hacker. Comma eight, comma one. In a flash of anger, jealousy, Sarah couldn't even work out exactly what it was she was feeling. She yanked the joystick from its place on the desk and began wriggling it around. Left, right, left, up, down and around the garden like a teddy. Before she could finish her sentence, the room flashed and her backpack fell to the floor. Honestly, it's a really fun and brilliant read. And because it's episode 64, and for this week only, you can grab the Kindle version through Amazon for just 99p. Don't delay. Do it today. And we're back. 
so yeah, no, no, normally, yes, as I said, we normally do music in the first episode, but just shifting things back. It's a three-part episode, so we've still got space for music in part two and film in the next one. Don't worry, it's coming. But for the 60, uh, 64th episode, we thought we, I thought we'd do something different, and that is something that I've been wanting to do, um, and I've kind of just surprised Graham with it. So if he's a bit nonplussed, don't worry. It's always, you know, nice to surprise Graham. He, he likes that. So I've looked back at our first 60-odd episodes, 63, it's actually only 62, strange enough, because we had a Breadbin Awards in there. And picked a best game from every episode. So that's our definitive list. And we kind of started this back in episode one, but we kind of trailed off from doing that a long time ago where we were sort of recommending games because it kind of became obvious what we were liking. But this is a list of games from our first 62 episodes, which should be hopefully 64. But anyway, leading up to here, where I think, or we think, you should play these games. So starting at the beginning, our first pick, Graham, was cauldron so yeah yeah that's fair that's fair i'd, I'd say go play cauldron it's rock hard though some of these are going to be tricky to i mean at the, number two is lords of midnight because it was up against shades and web dimension <laughs> <laughs> goodness me the 64 so, percenters yeah <laughs> absolutely so um yeah lots of I mean, a lot of people do like lords of midnight though so I, I gave it its due and it is clever and i think it is worth a look due for its technical thing and, 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 and whatever okay. uh Three episode three was uh, Theatre Europe. Yeah, it might have lost a bit of its context now, but it was a good game at the time. It does, yeah. I know it might be a bit scary to actually play that now, well, but there you go. Not to, to be fair, to play it now, yeah, you might be more relevant than ever. But okay. yeah, yeah, Theatre Europe is what I picked from there. Uh, uh, fourth episode was Hyper Circuit. Was the best one in there? No, was that the um, racing the, around the three hundred and sixty? Yeah, it's the Chris Butler, early Chris Butler one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was that was okay. Um, was right. Number five was Drop Zone. Yep. Classic. Yeah. Classic. That was easy, that one. Yeah. That still stands up and it's still great. Yeah. Boulder great Dash game. 2 was number six. Yes. I'd say go play that because you should play at least one Boulder Dash game in your life and that's a good one. Indeed. Can you tell what our next one was? Because it should have been a gold medal. Where the Exploding Fist. Yes. Where the Exploding Fist, indeed. Um, yes. That one absolutely out should have been a gold medal. It really me. should. It really, really should have been. Uh, and in the next one, uh, Confusion was the pick of the next episode okay yeah good music yeah good game concept nicely done simple good uh number nine summer games two yeah well it's epics it's the summer games it's good we know it's going to be amazing and yeah. that's the best one of the lot i think it is indeed number 10 frankie goes to hollywood yeah well good is a good one it's a good one and that it's funny how the people who did the graphics for that came back this episode for hysteria so we'll talk about that later oh yeah they did didn't they yeah they did and again, will Anthony Terry Crowther, number eleven, Monty on the Run? Yes, Monty on the Run is a good old game, isn't it? It's the best one of the Montes, I think. It is because it's got that music. You know, you know. Let's let's not let's not beat around the bush. It's nothing true. without the music. That is truth. Um, as we saw, probably in Alfreda Zane Monty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Number twelve was uh, Barry McGuigan's World Championship Boxing. Uh, to this day, it's a great boxing game. That. Yeah. And we can, and can you hum the music? Do you Yep. Yep. There's almost a snooker table light in the uh, yep. graphics at the beginning. Yeah. Great game. Indeed. 13 was Paradroid. No question, no arguments there. Correct. Yeah. It's one of the greatest C64 games of all time. It was. I mean, that that episode also had Winter Games in, so I had to cut out Winter Games. So Yeah, and it's baffling now that uh, Paradroid has not had a really good current console remake. It surprises me because it's such good fodder. It is because it's, it's such a, it's, it's a solid, such as, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of 
you know that that sort of taking over to sort of progress and go up and that, that transfer system taking over things to become more powerful and wiping them out it's, it's such a simple elegant there's hints design. of syndicate syn- hints of syndicate in there right and um, both the amiga version and the later console version of syndicate there's hints of that in there a little bit not Maybe as explicit as just as obviously as that, but there is a little bit of that there. But even the syndicate on the console wasn't a massively well received game, even though it was actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. Number fourteen was Wizards Lair. Yeah, you liked Wizards Lair. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was. It's trust Attic me, Attack, I have to pick a game from the episode. No, no, it it wasn't bad. It was just a derivative of lots of the games. It had a very small or a smaller playing play window, area but it was still. Yeah. It was still a good game. Indeed. Indeed it was. Number five, uh, sorry, 15, uh, Scarabaeus. That's one of your favourites. It is. It is. Um, press M when you start playing and get the sound effects up and running. Well, you um, like you like to heavy breathe at people. I've noticed that. <laughs> I do. I like to run around Egyptian mazes <laughs> and heavy breathe behind people. You've, it al- is you've always of... been a breather. <laughs> <laughs> we got a breather. <laughs> 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 Press M, Chris, get the music back. <laughs> do, 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 do. Scarabaeus would be much different with the Barry McGuigan music. It, it would, yeah. Uh, there we go. 16 was, uh, and I think this was our final game of that year, that first year, was Who Dares Wins 2. Yep, classic with the, um, which, is, which is odd that we didn't mention the music for that game when we reviewed the game of... Great Escape. Yeah, Great Escape. Yeah, we, we didn't mention the music for Great Escape, um, and yet that's in Who Does Wins too. Du, 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 it's kind of famously, you know. So, yep. Weird. Start of the following year, I thought the top one of the first episode was Robin of the Wood. Yeah, good old Robin. Yeah, bouncy music. Ball Blazer was next. Yes, another classic. Yep, the V advert. Yes, yes. Number 19 was the... The precursor to one that made us really angry the other week, and that's Bounder. Oh, I like Bounder. I just Rebounder was stupid. Yes, yes, it massively was. Good music, was. though. Good music. Well done, Ben. Good music, but Rebounder, yeah. You're not going to agree with the next one. Remember, I put this list together, but it is, of course, the Idol on. Well, it was but obvious was, it was going to be there. It was, but there was nothing else in that episode that really was no, as no, good. So. But you, you know, you, you love that game <laughs> massively. I do. I do love it. It is amazing. The Duplo Dragon game that it is, you love it. I do love it. I love my some Duplo Dragon. 21. Now, there was a there was a I had a bit of a conversation with myself here because 21 there was Mercenary and there was Iridium. Iridium. And now I went with Iridium because I thought I'll be true to the podcast and not yes. what other so we yeah, we, we preferred Iridium. We know that there's Patreons, there's people who listen to this podcast who love the Mercenary games. Let me tell you as the mayor of Targ, I can tell you, we ate that game. <laughs> it, it brought unbranded nonsense to our shores. Absolutely. And we it's very difficult to market yourself out of a problem like that. See-through showers. Exactly. The, the Honestly, the, the shit that it brought down on us <laughs> because of that game and just assuming that you could just steal spaceships, you know, and that they're all see-through. No, 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 no. Look, we're a legitimate enterprise here i think amity beach and jaws we're like that but we know with less sun (laughs) and yellow way way more green way more green way (laughs) Way more green way 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 more green and no sea anywhere no no Um, no not at all no number 22 was uh this was a tricky month to tricky one to pick out sort of thing but i went with kung fu master the port of kung fu master because we quite liked that didn't we yeah it was quite a good port um 
Then we went for 23 with Law of the West. Ah, it's a great game, Law of the West. It is. I mean, it's fun. I'm the sheriff of a ghost town. All good. And how Um, easy would it have been to make it Westworld the game as well? Should have done that. Maybe. Maybe. Law of the Westworld. Do Um, do it. 24 was Master of Magic. Oh, that that is a great game. That's a budget game as well. Such a... Look, the budget games are really great. So look out for that. That's that's a great one. It's really good. 25, Alter Ego. Uh, yeah, I think you like that one more than I did. I, I don't mind it, but uh, I think, yeah, I think our, our review was pretty effusive. Yeah, I think I think on reflection, yes, I, I agree with everything that I said. Don't get me wrong, but it's dated badly, hasn't it? The it, yeah. central conceit of it and some of the comments in it are a bit like, mm. yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. I but, think but you, still, you're still clever though. Yeah, part, you have to park your modern delicacies at the door yes you do yeah you've got to accept that it was made in a certain time so yeah and, and in that instance it's quite clever and very mm. well very clever yeah next one 26 psi 5 trading company was the pick of the next yeah, one Yeah, another good accolade game classic, another good really. but really hard but fun and you know yeah hard good uh, characters exactly 27 spin dizzy that's a great great game another one that surprised me that hasn't made it to mobile um it just seems good fodder for that kind of thing or, yeah or a switch or something like that there's bound to be something somewhere um 28 international karate just what can you say about that yeah it's just i think it's the perfect genesis of the fighting game genre so you know way way the exploding fist and then that perfect mm-hmm. uh, 29 leaderboard yeah which the best it golf our- game begins yeah, absolutely. As soon as he got our uh, Game of the Year award, it kind of had to... Uh... Yeah, understandably so. It's the greatest golf game that was ever created. Yes, indeed. Uh, 30 was a tricky one, but I went for, because ret- I thought this was very us, Return of the Space Warriors, Eggy Joust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that crappy episode, that's probably the best of the shite. Yeah, the, it was um, a good... That was, uh, I think that was our first Cheapest Creepers one. And, yeah, at um, least it had eggs in it. And that's no, I think good. there was Hess Games in there as well, but I quite like the, you know, it had eggs. Yeah. It's a, it had good eggy value, that one. Yeah, way. Loads of eggs. We said the word egg loads of times in that. We, we, we did. That's what began the journey down the egg road. <laughs> 31 was Green Beret, which... No argument, yeah. No, it's just a brilliant, brilliant arcade conversion. 32 Great music. Murder, yeah, well, goes without saying. Murder on the Mississippi. The precursor to all Lucasfilm games. I am completely convinced of that. Mm, yeah, I thought, yeah, because I, I could never get that one to work, but you really liked it, so... Yeah, no, but, I thought that Labyrinth was the precursor to all of those until I played that, and then I realised, no, it isn't. It's that one. Mm, yeah, probably. Uh, 33 was Night Games. Uh, that, see, we like that. I like that. Slugging it out with the old Mason you know, yeah. bike. Good stuff. It was, it was mindless, brainless... Taking chunks out of each other with massive weapons. Great Dave Whitaker music as well. Loads of good Dave Whitaker there. Mm, indeed. I think he did the music for the next one as well, because 34 was split personalities. He did, and that's another good one as well. Very clever. Quite difficult, but very clever. Mm. Now, again, this one, 35, this was a tricky This was a tricky one. We had Parallax and we had Druid. Ooh. Now, I've opted for that? Druid. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I'd have gone for Druid out those two. Well, I did. I had both original tapes, but Druid was my one that I played most often. It's such a good game. It is. Such a clever little game, and especially if you've got a mate round and you can do the Golem as well. What's not to like? Yeah. Ace. Parallax is great, but it doesn't have that, does it? But Druid is Druid. Druid is ace. Yeah. 36 was Super Cycle. Yeah, I can see why you pick that. Yeah, yeah. the epic yeah, one, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there weren't much in that episode. Um, 37 was World Games. Yeah, another um, epic style. Yeah, yeah, another standout games. The last best ge- games one, I guess. Yeah, thirty-eight was Sanction. 
I now I had trouble we, with Sanctin. We had problems with it, but there wasn't a lot to sort of put up against it in that episode. I think there was one no. other one that could have been but... amazing music, chunky graphics that felt a bit bit clunky and not much screen real estate to move around in. Mm. But it did look well, it looked nice. It was the first Stavros Vasoulis game and it sounded the part, didn't it? Yes. So. And I think that's why I put it in there. Yeah. Good um, production. Yeah. yeah. 39 Sacred Armor of Antiriad. Well, when we talk about good production, goodness me. Yeah, yes, that's saying. a lesson. That's a you're being schooled. Yeah, when you play exactly. That one. Forty was Ace of Aces again. Turn of flight simulator, and we've seen many of those boring, crappy simulators. Too many. Something interesting, and just add some little de- graphic details that make it interesting. And you've got Ace of Aces, a good game, yeah. a really good game. Looked amazing that game. When I think about the way that they did some of the graphical effects and the clouds yeah. and everything, really cloud clever. effects are ace. They really are, especially when you look on the over the wings. Really clever yeah. stuff. 41 was the Bard's Tale. I didn't dig it massively, but I know that it's up your wheelhouse. It's, but I think it's hugely influential and, and a massive... Yeah, yeah there's no of, doubt about that. And, I think, I mean, that's and, that and, and it is really, you know, whether... I think it's just a very, very good, clever game, especially now if you play that cartridge version that we've got. It is. You wouldn't have your, um, you know, your, some of your Skyrims and stuff like that without these precursor games that really develop yeah. those kind of worlds and spaces. So absolutely. Fair play. Um, the next one was a proper, you know, hold my nose, but the only one I could pick out the next episode was super Huey two. Oh goodness me. Bloody hell. That must have been a shit episode. <laughs> well, great. Put it that way. But I went with super Huey two just because like, well, Paul Norman, yeah, there's, there's loads that there's loads to it. Isn't there? There's yeah, loads. there is a it lot get, to it. It gets it, worse it, as it goes on, but there's loads to it. Yeah. It's clever and stuff. It's, but you know, three, three code, three, three letter codes to fly a helicopter. What was no. you thinking? No. What were you thinking? OFF. Um, yeah. We didn't much, we weren't massive fans of the next one, but we could, I think we could appreciate it. It was uh, 43's Gauntlet. Yeah. I the big game. Look, looking at how influential it was, he's quite interesting because I, I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't play a lot of the games that it influenced. But yeah. obviously, when we played this podcast, I've seen how many Gauntlet clones there are. And none of those Gauntlet clones, maybe, maybe with the exception of one, have actually been as good as Gauntlet tried to be. So yeah. they never quite got it right, did they? With yeah. the exception of Druid. So Yeah. When we are, we've not hit Druid 2 yet, have we? I can't really remember much of that no, one. Not yet. We'll see. No, not yet. 44 was Park Patrol. Very clever. Loads of little, clever little touches yeah, in yeah. that. Um, and, a, and just a nice and little... A budget. A, a budget, you know, old Activision one, but they showed what they've got. Yeah, forty-five was they stole a million. That's a good. Uh, that's the uh, robbery game, isn't it? We have to yes. plan everything. Yeah, very yeah, clever. Very, very clever game. There have been some sort of modern variants of that, but it goes back to that, and you can just see that there was just so much thought and yeah, you know, cleverness a lot in that of one. game in there. Yeah, yep. like that one. Forty-six was mutants. Yeah, mutants. I quite like mutants. So. Yeah, it's rock hard. And but it was it was visually interesting, wasn't it? So yeah, I'm wondering whether mutants was kind of the sort of appearance of the rock hard games part yeah, of the world. It sort just of did begin hit. there, didn't it? And the music is ace for mutants. So forty seven labyrinth. Great. Yeah, I can see why it's there. We decided at the time it's an important game, maybe just not amazing in terms yes. of how you play it, but its status as an important game and what it does quite impressive. Yeah, forty eight chameleon. Uh, which again was a tricky one from that that month that week yeah it's, uh, it's yeah. the martin martin walker one with the fire yeah, sprites yeah. and everything yeah yeah nice graphics walking the main sprite was nice confusing sort of walking man with the stick shoot him up kind of thing it was all right <laughs> yeah confusing uh 49 uh was choice here uh bunship or arcanoid Ooh, now i will i will go for arcanoid because this is what i, I like, went for as well because as much as I really appreciate the effort that goes into the making of a, something like Gunship, 
what you end up with is a really boring flight sim. So, no. Yeah. Um, number 50 was the memory test, but again, very clever and influential Delta. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Delta, really, apart from the pain in the ass parts, but music as well. <laughs> yeah, everyone, the music. everyone remembers Delta. Everyone remembers it. The mixy load. There's loads of stuff to like in yeah. Delta. As soon as that Delta logo appears on the screen with the with the borders being open for the sm- the scrolling stars, you're like, yes, this is something extra. Yeah. 51, Into the Eagle's Nest. Yeah, another classic. It wasn't a game I played massively back in the day, but on replay, I quite enjoyed it, albeit that there's some issues around you know, the, 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 sh- the enemies the, lining up to be shot. but and, and the scrolling was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, it was that kind of Judder half yeah. scroll, wasn't it? Uh, 52, Shockway Rider. Yeah, again, good scrolling in this, great music. Mm. Just is it a bit too repetitive? We're, we're entering the realm of the repetitive game. Well, the, here. the next one as well, yeah, because 53 is Nemesis the Warlock. Yeah, again, good it's game. It's fun for a bit, but. But, you know, piling up the bodies is interesting, but it gets very boring very quickly. Yeah. Then we're back in Activision Past. We've got Hero next. Oh, Hero is a great game. You explore the caves with your little helicopter backpack. Mm-hmm. What's not to like? A what? really great early game. Yep. Whizball next, 55. What can you say about Whizball? It's, it's, <laughs> it's got everything connects and makes sense in a game that probably shouldn't. So it's it's just brilliant. And the music on top of everything else, wow. Matt yeah. Galway's probably his greatest moment there. Controversial words, maybe. But no, I think yeah. I think it's a complete set of music is good and sounds is good there. Yeah. Fifty six, world class leaderboard. Just yeah. Just made get taken the best best golf game and made it better. <laughs> it's made it made it actually better, yeah. <laughs> made it better somehow. Uh fifty seven barbarian. Yeah, you're going to behead your mate, best mate, and 15 year old was was just you know <laughs> fr- frothy. Yeah, every, everything went everything went a bit giddy and frothy when that <laughs> appeared. Last Ninja is 58. Yeah, everyone has their Last Ninja moment. It's an amazing game. It has, it has its own issues, but look and feel of that game are like nothing else. Absolutely. Um, 59 was Defender of the Crown. Yeah, again. Just astonishing, really. Yeah, they got this up and running as well as they did and looking as good as yes. they did. on the you know, They beat the Amiga in a platform that should not have been able to, and that's incredible, really. Yeah. Quickly rounding off, 60, Head Over Heels. Yeah, a nice symmetric game that I thought I would hate and actually enjoyed. Mm. Yeah, California Games at 61. Now we had issues with it, but... Yeah, yeah. in that episode, Jesus Christ. Yeah, the <laughs> anger-inducing episode, we call that one. <laughs> yeah, just play the hacky sack and enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. You might, you might, you might enjoy, but or not. But and I th- and our last one, which is sixty-two, because we obviously had the Breadbin Awards in there. Kickstart two. Yes, and Kickstart two was the one ninety-nine super bargain that everyone should make sure they get. They should. There you go. And I've said I'm, we were going to do some kind of definitive list for a while. That will go up on the website. That's our definitive list from our first 60-odd episodes. Yes. So if you're going to play some C64 games and you're stuck for something to play, you could do a lot worse than pick anything from that list. Go for it. Uh, go and do uh, those. Yeah. And I think that was kind of fits this episode. It's Absolutely. a bit of a retrospective and a bit of a look at but look back at the amount of games we've bloody covered. Yeah. We play them so you don't have to, and that's legitimate in that sense. Yeah. We're, I think we're approaching 600 at the minute, maybe more. Wow. Woo. I know. It's ridiculous. So there you go. And just one more stat. Let's have a stat, shall we? Pick a stat just to round off this section. Um, the 64th game back, go backwards, that we looked at prior to this episode was GFL Championship Football. <laughs> Did we enjoy that? I can't remember if we enjoyed that one. That was the uh, weird sort of 3D one, the really chunky 3D one where everything oh, was coming at good. you in first person, first person football. That was good. I, I, that was good. That was one of the good ones, wasn't it? So, yeah. It was, yes. 
so there you go all right that's that section over with did something different music will be back next week films the week after don't worry they're still coming we still laugh at everything that was going on in the 80s yeah cliff richard's still out there <laughs> oh yeah he's back in here him and sam fox in one episode <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure there's enough wind machines to handle it oh dear anyway right we're gonna go we'll be back after this short break and then we'll be back we've got some more games we've got some more comments from people uh, and more stats so stick around <laughs> Sun, C and Chippy T to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com. Let's take another listen to his amazing new book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Sarah, Sarah shook her hand. What do you mean you're stuck? Well, Nell shoved her hands on her hips. I haven't escaped, so I just keep rolling in a loop till I get it right. I don't know how it all works, but I gather I only get so many tries until I'm stuck forever. Sarah frowned, confused. Stuck forever? Ah, yep. Them's the rules, it seems. The rules? Sarah exclaimed. There were rules? This isn't even real. I can assure you it is, Nell laughed sarcastically. You think I'm in here because I couldn't find a better fun park? So let me get this straight, Sarah paced by the ship. You're telling me that we are stuck inside a Commodore 64 and that we only have limited chances to get out. That's exactly what I'm saying. Being the mayor of Targ is always busy, see-through and mostly green. However, even I heard about the Zap to the Past episode 64 celebrations and how you can get the amazing David Hearn Kindle book, Escape from the Commodore 64, from Amazon for 99p. Now, I don't know if they'll deliver it to me here on Targ, but I'm pretty sure you can get it from whatever Amazon you use. Now, go, go, go! Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. That's our big old list. Go play some of them games. They're great. Um, we're back now. We've got five five more games to get through with some uh, other people reviewing them as well. It's not just us. Um, but before we get into that, Graham, do you know how many games um, got a 64% for hookability? I do not know that, and I want to know right now. Six. Okay. Do you want to know what games those they were? I think I need to know. <laughs> Almaz. <laughs> which is okay. something we looked at. The next one's going to amaze you. Hookability, Jack Charlton's match fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Silo. Oh, my God. Empire. Oh, Jesus. And then this one, Miami Dice. What the hell? No. <laughs> no, I know. And then Thunderbolt, who looked at uh, last week, whatever. Stupid, crazy nonsense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. It's kind of it's kind of odd, isn't it? Um, Very odd. It's not kind of odd. It's crazy odd. <laughs> what are they doing? Uh, I honestly do not know. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's the um, that's the ones that got sixty four percent for hookability. There was also another six that got sixty four percent for last ability. We'll do that while we're here as well. Okay. Uh, those games. So last sixty four percent for ghetto blaster. No. This next this next one's going to blow your brain. Kayak. No. Last ability. No Two one's going to last on that. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, especially when you put it next to the castles of Dr. Creep. Mm. It's kind of crazy. Um, and uh, what else we got? Castles of Creep, Goonies. Actually, there's only five of these. I don't know why I put six. Um, and Army Moves. <laughs> okay, of course it did. So yeah. that got, yeah. Well, that should have got more, really, because it takes you forever if you're ever going to try and get through that game. But there you go. There's a, there's a couple of stats regarding some Zap figures, some Zap 64s. 
should we call them, I guess. Um, let's move into our first game. And Graham, this is not, I, I, you know, this should be the game of the album, shouldn't it? But it's it not. Should. But it's, it's not. not. This, this is Hysteria. Tell us all about Hysteria. And tell us in particular about the title screen. Yeah, so unfortunately, this is not linked to Def Leppard's album. Although maybe the title screen is a little bit. But um, <laughs> the developer of this is Special Effects sure who com- that's comprised of but the coder here is tony pomfret tony pomfret's the guy that did hunchback 2 and mikey so he knows his Weird. way around uh code graphics here by karen davies karen davies is the person that was partially maybe fully responsible for dante's inferno short circuit shadow fire good pedigree there and the tout screen's also by here as well which we'll come to so hysteria is based around some uh sometime somewhere someone is changing the future by altering our past the, the basic tenet. A previously extinct primeval entity is being summoned forward through the barriers of time by a fanatical sect whose aim is to disrupt the future balance of power. As sole survivor of the once elite Time Corps, you, <laughs> Time Cop, or Time Corps, they're very similar. Uh-huh. I've tasted your wife's Time Corps a hundred times. <laughs> As sole survivor of the once elite, because for some reason the time core had been killed. I don't, it never really says why. Um, you've been chosen by the Federation of Law and Order to thwart the evil conspiracy. You are to be transported by molecular disruption. Sounds very painful and also like an album by some rock band. Um, <laughs> to combat the entity as it leaps closer to our destiny. Unfortunately, the locals are not keen <laughs> on Time Warriors. I love this. The locals are not keen. They're just not, they don't like Time Warriors. Well, other does. warriors, other warriors we could take. Aztec, Amazon. Aztec, Amazonian warriors. We're all good with these Time Warriors coming Fighting. out of nowhere, <laughs> just causing stupid crap. So the, so the locals aren't keen on Time Warriors and evil monsters. Well, no one likes them popping <laughs> out of nowhere. And they tend to get quite upset by that. Well... <laughs> That does happen. That is it's often, that, that, is the case. That did come up at the uh, last residence meeting I went to around it, here. It, it did, uh, yeah. As, as, a point, as a point of order. We had a uh, a local meeting of the same kind, you know, where it was um, the mainstay of the village was that we do not like the, uh, the popping <laughs> up of time, time warriors generally, but monsters equally getting a bit of a rough ride, you know, and the, the uh, <laughs> it's just not good. Anyway, no. so luckily you, you, are carrying an energy conversion kit, which, if used correctly, changes ordinary objects into a powerful array of stunningly useful mega utilities. But be careful, some of these will only last you a short while. That's a very complex way of describing a crappy upgrade. (laughs) (laughs) So, which is exactly what that is. Destroying certain hostile characters and objects may leave behind a clue. As to the identity of one of the conspirators, that's a jigsaw piece, it's symbolized by a jigsaw piece, which must be collected. Once exposed, the entity will be forced to make an appearance. You've got to collect the jigsaw pieces, essentially. And in that, in I say they will appear in your time zone. In order to destroy this, you must have the evidence and you must weaken the monstrosity by shooting at it repeatedly. And then it will retreat whence it came and continue your task in another era. So the game itself, you've only got a limited energy supply in this, which is depleted each time you are hit but it's restored on each level. So you've got to use your shield that you get with care. You can collect lemons <laughs> or worms by walking or flying over them. Uh, and that will enable you to select a different weapon if you so desire. The To activate the current weapon type indicated by an arrow above the icons. So it's got a kind of an upgrade tree. Um, and I'll describe where that is in the terms of the uh, screen real estate in a minute. Uh, you pull down and press fire. The icon will then flash 
you then have a certain combination of different weapons, which so you can combine these things. But some of these weapons cancel each other out. Stupid, stupid logic. <laughs> stupid That's logic. That's what you get when you get an energy converter. It yeah. says it. It's the small print. You've always got to read the it's small print. It's always in the small print, yeah. Just in the small print. No, this will affect other energy converted <laughs> weaponry and may adversely affect your ability to complete the mission you're on, whatever that might be. Um, <laughs> so... So you can select fly as well, and you can take off because you get like a jetpack, so you can sort of leap up and join in the shooty-shooty stuff other than run across the bottom of the screen. When you collect all the pieces of the jigsaw and the face has been completed, you'll get a primeval entity that will appear, and you've got to shoot that, and then obviously if you shoot that and it disappears and gets blown up, it's on to the next space of time, the next level, as it were. The display area is split into a central area of gameplay, and then from uh, your UI across the top, left to right, You've got your score, your life force, your shield, your conspirator, and your weapon energy. And then across the bottom, you've got your laser eyes, laser arrows, guardian force, jetpack, and electric ballers. <laughs> electric ballers, balls. Your electric yep. balls. Call them balls. That's what they are. They're electric <laughs> balls. They're, they're balls of electricity, balls. Your e balls. Okay. So that's the game. So this is a quite a nice looking game, actually, and it plays quite well. The graphics are quite nice. Quite nicely drawn, nicely realised. Good job done all around here. They're a little bit bitty, but we'll come to that. All the sprites in the backgrounds have got a lot of thought put into them, and they feel a little bit like extras that weren't used from Dante's Inferno, but it does have a nice look and feel, and it's one of the better UIs I've seen. The UI is actually quite pretty on this. It's quite nice mm, looking. It is. Detail. Um, the game itself is quite difficult. And when I say quite difficult, I mean next to impossible. Um <laughs> It's a kind of left and right scrolling run and gun ish. So it's it's almost like a side scrolling shooter with a guy instead of a spaceship. Um, because at certain points you can fly. Obviously, you can run or you can throw your balls at people if you want. If you get that far, <laughs> and it, it does play quite well. The, the the response to your joystick control is quite nice. It's, it is responsive, and of course, it's it's tactically very difficult. It's going to be, and I'll, I'll come to exactly why that is in a minute. The tragedy here is that the game is, is that given a little more leeway. This would have been a really good game, but it possibly needed a bit more variety, but it's, it's okay. The music is really quite good. It's a tad on the shrill side, but it's, it's different and it goes with the game. All in all, it's well produced and it looks apart, but will you last very long? I don't think you will. And the limited levels, of which there are only three, are going to actually do your head in. So the three mm -hmm. levels... Three levels isn't a lot in a game like this. No. So even with the extra weapons and the jetpacks, I'm not sure there's enough game for your money. You're paying 10 quid for this. So I don't think it's enough game. What there is there is nice. It just feels like it could have there could have been about another five levels for me to make it more coherent. It felt a little bit like a few games we've played before where you're running across the bottom of the screen, shooting at things. It's, a light, it's like the game you mentioned earlier. I forget the name of it now, but there's a similar game like it. So it looks nice. It plays okay. It sounds okay just a bit short and it's a bit difficult and that's how they've responded to the lack of levels by adding lots of difficulty into something that didn't really need it at the end of the day mm. so i think if they'd have made this a little bit more player affordance there'd have been a bit more to go at so i needed more variety and like i say the music's good everything else is good three levels just is that enough even with the extra weapons and jetpacks i'm not sure that's enough gave you money but what did you think yeah i'm the same it reminded me in, in that respect of that what was the one we looked at which was pretty 
but only three levels, and that was that um, Leviathan, um, which was the uh, crappy Zaxxon sort of thing, which was hard to control, but looked nice, but what it is what it is. Um, this is another trip through time to destroy an evil scourge from the past. It's uses running around three bi-directional scrolling locations, shooting stuff and getting turned into bubbles, because that's what happens when you get killed. You get turned into bubbles, and that will happen a lot. So you're going to see those bubbles quite a lot. It was a fair bit... That was a fair bit to games like Ghosts and Goblins and probably that Chameleon game as well. Um, as you're constantly beset by skeletons from the ground, centaurs and horses and gargoyles from the sky, and even statues shoot at you. They've also taken aboard weapon choice from shooters, which does add a, a nice layer of complexity. Um, but with all this going on, there's no time for pausing and breathing. It's a constant battle against a never-ending supply of adversaries. And if by some chance you do manage to collect all the puzzle pieces and get to the end-level boss, the, I found the controls were not they're not there to deal with the bombardment you get and with only one life to fall back on your game will end quite quickly uh, which is generally what happened i get that with only three levels that's why they've given you one life but your health depletes fast and it seems arbitrary as to whether you will make it to the end or not despite doing the same thing each time the puzzle pieces sometimes turn up sometimes they don't those you, you kind of get frozen in place as well when those uh gargoyle things fly and drop bombs on you which is annoying if you've run past them but it just forces you to get hit which is annoying yeah it looks good the graphics are very nice there's nice animation the backgrounds are nice everything like you said is a bit, is a bit bitty but i think it's well animated and it looks cool uh sound effects and music are quite liked as well um but it's just too full on all the time um and it wears you down in very little time that's all well and good adrian and i completely agree with everything you've said or do i i don't know I however don't know. What is important is that we have some more information. Some information has come up. We've got some review from David Hearn. David Hearn. David <laughs> Hearn, the deputy mayor of Targ. <laughs> he doesn't know he's been appointed that, but he just has. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> congratulations, David. Hey, 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 hey. Golf clap, golf clap. Um, <laughs> anyway, so David's in the post. Gave, <laughs> he's given us this review of Hysteria, and it goes something like this. Hysteria, a true example of style over substance. Sure, the graphics look great. Lovely scrolling, characters and backdrops, slick presentation, and the main tune is exceptional. That that is all good stuff. In all fairness, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's going all great. It. But what oh, about the, the game itself? Game. What about the game itself? Well, it's there, but it's nothing you hadn't seen before back in 1987. There's a backstory about being a member of the Time Corps, chasing monsters through time, which is nonsensical as the game itself. You run, fly, collect stuff, dodge, predictable, though well animated enemies, and use powers at the right time, or you're doomed as you scamper along the three levels. That's all you get in this game, and it's bloody hard. It's a nice touch. If you can dodge enemies like skeletons long enough, they'll simply dissolve into dust. Perhaps they're related to Roger. I think he's uh, implying there that Mr. Moore has had something to do with this. <laughs> the dusty one himself. <laughs> the, dust, the, the, man, the dusty man. He's grown dust. He's all, he's, he's all is dusty. He, he's emitted dust. <laughs> God's sake. Can you imagine if Roger Moore was in this hysteria game? Just crumbles into dust. He, does he, he bursts into bubbles, though, doesn't he, in the game, anyway? He does, yeah. You dusty know. bubbles. Anyway, um, so perhaps Roger Moore has had his hand in this, his dusty, dirty old man hand. <laughs> possibly. Uh, anyway, if you survive to a boss, I'll admit they're graphically super impressive, such size and scale rarely seen on the old bread bin. And as Adrian and Graham might say, there are some serious chops on display here. We do Pork. say that. You, you, you say that more than I say that. You're do a I? chops man. Yeah, I don't. I'm not so up on the relative dimensions of pork. Pork, lamb. <laughs> pork chops. But he's right. Yes, there is some coding chops on display in that. Mm. Um, alas, the best part of the game is dying. <laughs> so you don't have to keep playing. But <laughs> like the best part of this game is dying. So you don't have to carry on. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> buying this for nine quid would have been like ordering a falafel kebab and ending up with a poo on with poo on a stick. <laughs> Tell you, Australia's but it's putting me off going to Australia now. <laughs> Absolutely, giant killer pigeons, and if that you know, who knows how on earth you go from a lovely falafel kebab and you end up with shit on a stick. Alkalash, alkalash, alkalash. You want alkalash? Crab juice, crab juice, crab juice, and alkalash. Crab juice on Mountain Dew. Um, so. To his final statement there, half the zap rating and you're closer to the mark. That's what okay. he says, has to say. I'm not, I'm, I'm not down with this maths nonsense. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to do maths. I'm here to do reviews, you know. <laughs> they look, the guy has to live with the idea that he might end up with poo on a stick when he orders falafel. Well, the thing is, there probably is if they've got dragon-sized pigeons. I love falafel. It's flapping around. Falafel now. I'm going to have to go Imagine the size Aldi of the... Imagine the pavements. <laughs> Good God, man. <laughs> Imagine their version the Trafalgar Square would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. The, the coups would be that loud, they'd shatter car windows. Coup! <laughs> 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 Dragon-sized pigeons. Not around, yes. my, not around my way. And no not on, yeah, Not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Not having it. I'm not, not having, having it. it. Not on my watch, no. I'll have a, a dragon-sized chop. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think that'll work better. It would be. Let's go along. Let's move let's along. Let's carry on. Yeah, let's move along. Let's get back to it. Um, I kind of wanted to like this more than I did because the visuals and sound, it was drawing me in and the, the, the concept is quite good. But it's, it's, re, it's repetitive and I think that's what pushed me away from it. Um, and it also looks like on the title screen, um, our hero, who is sort of half semi-naked you just see him he's taking a really massive fart um yeah yes it does look like that so uh, obviously i will put that when i mention this on twitter but have a look for that because i'm going to put that picture out there he's taking a huge because there's clouds of gas coming from behind him um it is quite quite the something i'm not quite sure what to make of it but it's well drawn but it's either having a something's doing it i think as you as you right he might have followed through um i'm not sure if he's followed through or if someone has given him a uh you know a Someone, handy yeah, surprise the, yeah absolutely there might be a someone on their knees down there but I'm, I'm, i don't want to go down that route but something's ah. happening something's happening beneath the uh, bottom of the screen yes. um front or back but it's worth because i don't know and it looks strangely like a pleasured michael bean yes he does have that look about him i give him that <laughs> So, not that I know what a pleasured Michael Bean looks like. No, I don't know that, but he does but, look um, a bit like Michael Bean. Yeah, and he looks pleasured. So, there you go. Hysteria would have been better if it was a game of the album, in my opinion. Don't know how they've done that. Then if Frank goes to Hollywood, I could have done it with Beth Leppard. Imagine playing Joey Elliott in a game. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> could you? <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the level where you have to just get by with one arm as the drummer. You know, what, what, That's terrible. Ga- no, no, the gameplay element, you could tie around that. I'm sure you could make it into a positive thing because he's just as capable as all the others. Hey, I'm all for positivity. Hey, you can use every direction but bottom left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or that. <laughs> Let's have another stat. Yes. <laughs> the 64th most common word we use is glonk. <laughs> that that figures. <laughs> Although, actually, 64th most, yeah. Glonk. That's crazy. That is crazy. I, I know. Uh, it might not be true, but I'm sure it is. And nobody's going to take the time to analyse our words to find <laughs> no, out. It works for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, there you go. And Zap gave 64% to five games for originality over these 20, 20-odd issues. Do you know what those games were? I've already said no. one. Web, web, well, I've said two. Web Dimension and Shades. Oh, goodness me. Uh, Mule got 64% as well for originality. Everyone's a Wally. Oh, my God. Um, and this one's going to... You, you're not going to understand why knockout what a collection of shit <laughs> original crap 
64% worth of utter bum bag. <laughs> there you go. I was amazed when I was seeing these, some of these ratings. Terrible. Some of these. I know. There you go. Let's move along. We've got another game to come up. Speaking of originality, yeah, the next one. Because the next one is another budget game. It's called Frenesis. I'm not quite sure what that means. Frenesis, Frenesis. But that's what this game is called. I think this is Firebird, isn't it? Um, Yeah, I think. I think it is. This game has the most unconnected cover of a game i mean you often see unconnected covers to the actual gameplay but this is on another level again i will post this somewhere um but you need to see the cover of this game because the cover's pretty cool it's really well drawn it's a guy in some kind of enslavement or something trying to escape while fireballs rain down around him in the bottom right and it's something kind of it is it is a good cover i'll give it that uh but it is nothing nothing to do with this game no it is not. um so I think I think this was a conversion from the C16 original because it's released for the C16 and the Atari is. 8-bit. Yes, because this has got all the hallmarks of a C16 game ported over. And as we've recently looked at a load of C16 games, I can start to see the uh, the telltale signs of them. So this has been made by Tony Takushi, uh, and the plot, such as it is, is guaranteed to... This is from the box. It's guaranteed to bring you near to total nervous collapse and with your lethal Statron, blast your way through the invading hordes of aliens in this fast and frenetic game comprising 40 unrelenting levels. Okay. Is that what you, is that what you played? No, 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 it's not. No, it's not what I played either. It's not according to the back of the box. And the game is kind of missing a crucial element from that description. The blasting. <laughs> Where's the blasting? No, no. Um, yeah, there really isn't any. So what do you do? This game consists of two lines of characters, one going up the middle of the screen and the other going across the center of the screen. And it splits the screen essentially to four sectors, top left, right, bottom right, bottom left. Within these sectors, shapes appear and head towards the lines. They'll start moving down or they'll start moving to the left. If you move the joystick to the left, right, up or down, it creates another line that you can control across the screen. The, if you press right or left, then you get a sort of vertical line that you can move left and right. And you do that, if you move it to the right, then it destroys enemies that it hits and you, you as you move it across them. Um, they, I think it moves destroys enemies that are heading to the left or right. If you then press up or down, a new line will appear and it destroys the old one. You have to destroy them before they reach the line. So these shapes are moving towards your lines. You have to destroy them before they reach your lines. Because in the top of the screen, this is very hard to describe this game. It's really one of those that you need to actually look at. Um, at the top of the screen, there is a total number of shapes that you have to destroy. You destroy them by moving your controlled lines over them. But every time that the shapes reach your lines, the total number goes up. So it's essentially you're trying to, you, you want to kill them quickly because the total is constantly increasing. So it takes longer and there's a timer um, running down. And if the timer runs down to zero, then you lose a life and, and you game over and, and, that, and that sort of thing. That's it, really. It's hard to describe this game because it's so visually bereft. It's basically it's just character graphics, and you, that's what I mean when you can see how this is a C16 game. On the C16, I imagine this probably runs quicker because of the faster processor. It probably looks better because of the more colors, um, because it's not using sprites. It's all characters. And that's it, really. Those levels go on. They get, the shapes get faster. The target you've got to get gets higher. And the number of spawn, the number of shapes spawning in gets greater. It's really abstract. And it, like I said, it just probably worked better on the C16. Um, the problem is with this is just, just it gets even on the C16 where you might give it a bit more leeway. It's just the repetitive nature of this, the dull visuals and the monotonous drone of the sound 
which will just drive into your head after a while. It's soon turn, you're turning for the off switch. It's a budget game. It's two quid. But you've got games like Kickstart 2, Warhawk, Thrust, you know, Park Patrol, Hero. They're all out there now for this for to the same price. You know, Master Magic. Why would you spend two quid and your time on this beyond any kind of initial curiosity? You're going, what the hell is that? Because you're gonna after about five minutes, you're like, done. I'm done. I don't want no more of that. I'm done. Interesting name. Interesting cover. Strange concept. It is original. It got forty three percent, probably because they was like, uh, what? Which is kind of where I'm landing because I, th- th- there's a game, but it's not particularly. It's just the same thing repeated over and over. You just move these lines across, and, and that's it. And shapes. Did you get anything from Frenesis? No, not really. An odd C16 title turns C64, not my cup of tea at all, with these kind of geometric patterned line squeezers. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) move the lines to cover the shapes and tick over the, yeah, whatever. It it had a nice, simple look and feel. Clearly this was actually playing to the strengths of the C16 with with its higher color palette and things like that. So I think some of that is lost in the C64 version. I think this game played to me like the creator of the game knew really knew how to play it. And it played that card so much that when it came to actually, you know, average Joe person playing the game, um, it was too obtuse to enjoy because it was a little bit like, what, what the hell is all this? So it's not for me in that respect because I don't like games that are really obtuse anyway. Um, but it might be cheap enough at £2 for somebody. So a budget puzzler at £2. We don't get many of those really, do we, that are decent. This isn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It's just I think it loses its its necessary vibrance because it doesn't have the colours and the wherewithal on the C64 to really carry it through. So I think this is a, not a great port from what should be an easy thing to do but it's not, and I think it suffers for that. And the ultimate payoff is that the game is actually pretty incomprehensible, really. And, yeah, that's, and that's quite the problem. Dull, so so yeah. no, not for me, and probably not for some other people either. So Frenesis, as much as you sound like a crap Genesis cover band, you can, <laughs> you can bugger off and, and leave me well alone. <laughs> They're giving it all away. I think, I think it's just a Genesis cover band, only run by people called Fred. <laughs> hope so because uh, then he, he, he one of them split off and formed fred and the mechanics <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a freds the genesis of freds the frenesis <laughs> oh i'm trying to think of genesis songs that can get fred in now but i can't oh brady's just not working there we go that's frenesis um yeah <laughs> graham how many games do you think have got 64 percent overall in zap i don't know i'd like to say 72 <laughs> five okay i was well wrong you were well wrong. Uh, those games are, as I said, Operation Whirlwind and Gates of Dawn. Um, after that, we had Way of the Tiger. Oh, God, no. Why? No. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Ask Zap. <laughs> uh, Exelon, that got 64%. Okay. Um, and Death Wish 3. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See, go. though, what's amazing is that the stat of 64 is a, a... It seems to be leaping out as the stat of shite. <laughs> If you want to pick out the really shit games, avoid the 64% because they're most of them are shit. <laughs> the shite start. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. The, sh- the shite and starter. <laughs> there's more to come, trust me. There's more to come. Okay. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, also, as well, let's have a look as well. 64 is the atomic number of gadolinium, which is a lanthanide. Okay. That, 
that makes sense because I've got so much of that in my drive right now. <laughs> Stupid. Gadolinium. Ga- I don't know what. Don't know what to do with it all. Honestly, it's ridiculous. I know. It's what the it's the secret ingredient. What they put in the Commodore sixty four. Is it the is it the album from Def Leppard they never released? <laughs> let's get let's get gadolinium. <laughs> don't that don't roll off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Hysteria. Oh, it's a story. So it was released on the Pandemonium. Is it Pandemonium by them? Uh, Pyra- or is it Pyromania? That's Py- so. Who was it released the um, Ammonium albums? It was. Oh, it's um, Killing Joke. I think is it Killing Joke? Got an album called Pandemonium and Delirium and God knows I'll, what. No, I'll take your word for it. Because we used to joke about saying that they released an album called um, Oh, what's that? Diarrhea pill. Imodium. <laughs> Imodium. <laughs> yeah, Imodium was, was the album they released. <laughs> that nobody wanted at all yeah fair enough oh let's move on we've got three games left um okay and then we're, then we're done but for this one we're going to take a, a bit of a change of pegs because one of sidestep a bit of a sidestep yeah one of our one of our patrons on our patreon on our discord um it's the 2000 dc has kindly recorded a review, a decent full review of this. And so um, we're going to let him have the stage and give you the lowdown on our next game, which is Centurions. I'd like to start by saying thanks to the Zap to the Past guys for inviting us, their Patreons, to join them for episode 64. It's an honour to share this virtual microphone and get the opportunity to pass judgement on some games I mostly missed back in the day. Centurions... Power Extreme is a licensed game based around the children's Saturday morning cartoon. Much in the vein of Transformers, Action Force, Thundercats and their ilk, Centurions is meant to be a colourful blast of action and occasional moralising about technology and the environment, to entertain those of a school age after a hard week of learning. However, in keeping with its brethren, Centurions is, in reality, a marketing gimmick engineered to shift plastic toys for Kenner. It never reached the same heights as many of the big-name toy lines of the 80s, and while it managed two series of the cartoon, didn't seem to hang around all that long. All this considered, you'd expect the game on the C64 to match the lofty premise of the cartoon, with customisable suits, teleporting around in masses of big explosions. What we really got was a gauntlet-style game from Tony Crowther. After you've waited for your tape to load and seen the unremarkable loading screen, you're treated to a somewhat abstract take on the Centurions teleporting and getting their equipment beamed to their exosuits. This might even be the highlight of your entire time here, with some decent intro music that might not quite fit the theme entirely, but is entertaining enough. Your hopes of getting an entertaining package are raised now, but after selecting your opening level, you are left wondering what is going to differentiate this from any other Gauntlet clone. You start off with not one of the Centurions, but with a droid, and you have to find a coloured pad to gain access to one of the heroes. Each character allows you to traverse over different types of terrain according to their speciality, sea, land and air. You'll need these abilities to get past tricky areas to pick up keys to open doors. The keys are colour-coded, and eventually you'll open a gate that allows you to exit the level. You also have the ability to power up your suit, gaining special weapons in the process. Kill enough of the generic enemies, and eventually one will drop a power-up that you can collect. This then cycles through numbers like a power-up fruit machine. Pressing fire will grant you the weapon assigned to that number. There's plenty of variety to these, but you do have to be mindful of your bullets ricocheting off walls, as this can cause you damage. While all this is put together well enough, the draw of the exciting license is lost in what is a fairly dull game. Two players can play through this, no doubt making it quicker to get all the keys so you aren't restricted to returning to the character pads over and over. However, the enemies are utterly generic, 
repeatedly blasting the nondescript robots and the disembodied heads of the main enemies from the cartoon, leave little appetite to progress and see more of the game. The graphics can be described as functional, certainly nothing to write home about, and there's no in-game music, just unimpressive sound effects. There's no getting away from the fact that this is an essentially applauding sci-fi gauntlet, with little in the way of frantic action of fighting off hordes of enemies, or the fanboy thrill of seeing a favourite franchise show off its wares. Ultimately, what we have here is another licence that has been shoehorned into a game, perhaps even one that is pre-existing. It's competently done, but in the end, it's pretty mediocre. Century off. Excellent. Excellent. And I like the fact that he said century off at the end of that. <laughs> Because that does make good sense. Yes, does make it probably sense. does, yes. So what did you think of Centurions, Graham? Well, I'm not going to go too much further into what they are because uh, 2000 DC adequately describes them really well there. Obviously, the main thing I remember about the Centurions was the way they went, power, extreme, dream, dream, dream. Oh, is that then, these you know, guys? I that's remember these, that. Yeah, you know, and their exosuits got all the, all the crazy shit bolts onto the exosuits. That's, that's yeah. these guys. The, after the extensive demo-like intro sequence of this game, which, you know, was just a guy spread-eagled in a yellow suit looking uncomfortable from what I could gather <laughs> um, with stuff happening around him. So the game itself, as the 2000 DC has alluded to, Doc Terror is planning to steal the world's supply of Tyrone uh, dichromate. <laughs> is that a lanthanide? <laughs> yeah, it probably is. He's stealing that from the Weapons Development Center. So this Tyrone dichromate is the key component when creating nuclear fusion. Ah. Um, so is this indicating an energy crisis? It sounds to me like where they're keeping it in the Weapons Development Center, they might not be making power stations with that. Anyway, enter our three trusted centurions, Ace McLeod, Jake Rockwell, and Max Ray. To me, they sound like the members of a hair metal band that has yet to be discovered. So I'm pretty sure they are, in fact. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they maybe, they're, they're, maybe they are the Centurion. <laughs> and their album, their album, the first album will be Emodium, with the lead singer Ace <laughs> McLeod, Jake Rockwell on drums, and Max Ray on bass. I don't know. Maybe they're a, a Rush cover band. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Could do. So Could be. as has been adequately described, you've got to choose your centurion which is lancy and air and then explore the three levels of the development world the war warcraft weapons development center and you've got to get the six key parts of the musket i'm not going to go into all the diatribe uh, 2000 dc has adequately described the gameplay and what it's all about so there are some interesting little things about this game so you've got to get the sort of six parts to the keys there's also well, smaller keys in the game as well you've got to get the keys they unlock the coded plinths the plinths have got square triangle or Q, uh, sorry, square triangle or circle on them, which reminded me of a PlayStation type thing, maybe later down the line. Mm. Um, and the complex is festooned with Doc Terror's bad guys, so you've got to blast those, and that's how you actually get your glowing quants. We all need a collection <laughs> of glowing quants in our lives, and well, Mary. This, is how, <laughs> yeah, this is how you achieve them, by shooting enemies. So when you do that, um, you collect those, and that allows you to bolt on extra weapons in the power extreme kind of mentality. Um, and it scrolls across the sort of, they've got an A to I letters across the bottom of the screen. They go, press your fire button on the letter that you want. And if you don't get A, if everything from, you know, B to I is a weapon. If you get A, you get a random weapon and a little bit of energy increase. So, you know, who knows what you're going to get. Each one of the different weapons that you apply to your exosuit has different destructive abilities and they all have a time limit so they all run out eventually so you got run around the sprawling gauntlet style environment shooting collecting power extreming power extreme as 
much as you can, really, I suppose. I thought the graphics here were bold and reasonably well realized, quite colorful, I suppose. The main sprite is a bit small, though. The only color difference between you and your other three compadres, because you don't start as a centurion, you start as a droid for some reason, and you have to become a centurion. It's really stupid and not something that happens in the cartoons, I don't think. <sighs> anyway, so there's loads of enemies to shoot in this, and they can, so if they hit you, it takes away your energy. If you lose all that, your game's over. You, peri- you do periodically encounter a Doctera in a face form, in a, in a face sprite. And if he hits you, you're instantly booted back to the drone stage pre-selection of where you're at. So it's a pain in the ass. Music's passable, but the, well, the type of music, there's no in-game music. It's pretty lame after that. And there's some avoidable issues in this game too. For me, the scrolling seems to start too close to the edges of the bloody screen. So when you're running towards the edge of the screen, it doesn't, camera doesn't follow you in the right way. You have to wait till you get to the edge before it starts to scroll. So it's normally about four-fifths of the way across the gameplay area before the screen starts to scroll, which is problematic because it limits your field of play and restricts you on how you encounter things. Because of that and the way you kind of manoeuvre, so you've got a lot of central play area where it doesn't scroll and then it scrolls around the edges. The game remains a little bit obtuse. It's aloof. It's not massively clear what you've got to do from when you start the game and what's going to happen if you don't complete the goals. It never feels to me that there's an imminent danger or threat or what's going to happen. There's only three levels, remember. So the UI is cluttered and it's cramped at the bottom. You can play as two players, which does stretch the gameplay because it means you have to keep going back to the stupid selector screen to change your droid into sea, earth, wind and fire, whatever the bloody hell it was. <laughs> that would that would be better, actually. That would be better, um, yeah. But So what remains after all that is decidedly okay in terms of how it looks, but it's soulless and the centurions are actually looking for something to do. It doesn't feel like it's really anything much to do with centurions and the power extreme and everything else it feels like a, a crappy gauntlet variant that never really takes off and i think that's what 2000 dc also says as well is that this is a massive switch off so for him and for me this is a uh, a century off right you yeah i'm not going to add much more to that it's a it's not as bad as it's a gauntlet clone it's not as bad as dandy or mr weems but it's not much better than storm and it's not up there with even avenger really i'm not quite sure how this relates to the cartoon it's based on because i didn't really have much affinity for it but the thing is that you know with this i can't i can't see what the target audience is i can't imagine a fan of a saturday morning cartoon that probably that probably is full of fights and explosions would find this you'd find this rather dull um you know where's the where's the game it is not the cartoon that's for sure no that's what i mean it's so it's it takes ages to do anything and as you rightly say it doesn't scroll with the character it it scrolls when it feels like you get close enough to the edge of the screen it's not alice in video land bad but it's still not great it's just so slow to do anything as superheroes whatever they are i just expect them to be faster than this what are we moving around it's another tony crowder game isn't it and it feels like the opposite to GoBots. yes i mean that, that, that it is it is it, yeah and that was barely playable and this is something you don't want to play <laughs> despite it being relatively easy because it's boring yeah it's an interesting yep. attempt to do some kind of adventure style game but it's just it's dull it's really boring you just wander about not being able to get past trees looking for stuff changing Oh, oh no 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 no, no. Uh, the, the 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 this completely misses the target market audience for what this game would be which would have been me at the time or maybe someone a little bit younger but right about me and i would have found this dull as hell i want my sort of power power extreme there's there's nothing extreme about this game no so there is no, not. as you two have rightly said century off and i think that sums it up so there you go 53 percent. nah it's too high it's too yeah. high too too high there you go let's have another start high bouncer you ever heard of that game? No. I don't think we looked at that one either, but it was the 64th game reviewed in Zap. Okay. When I just counted through the episodes, just counted through the issues. Uh, I didn't know, actually. I didn't care. 
I didn't get 64% for anything, so it was off my radar at that point. Okay, fair enough. Uh, unless it appears in my list, but I don't think it does. Yeah, so that's High Bouncer. Um, there's only one game. See if you can guess. You will be amazed at this stat, this one. Only one game in the entirety of Zap got 64% for playability. Mm, I want to say um, Iridium. Mm, nope. The Force. Oh, get lost, Zap, you <laughs> stupid drunks. <laughs> No. I knew that would be your reaction. No. <laughs> I know. Dreadful, isn't it? No. Oh, dear. Um, 14 games, though, did get 64% for presentation. And again, your your equation of here, 64 equals shit, is, is holding up. Aqua Racer, which I don't think we looked at, or maybe we did. Frack, which we didn't look at. Poker. Poker. Ass. Herbert's Dummy Run. No. No. Stop the Express. Oh my god! It's got two lots. Uh, Merlin. That was that, well, that was our sixty-fourth game, wasn't it? That we looked at, and it also got sixty-four percent rated. Uh, Merlin. Goodness Merlin? me! What? Yes, sixty-four percent for presentation. Crap. Uh, <laughs> this next one, Vegan Attack. Do you remember Vegan oh, Attack? Come on! No way. <laughs> that old like Trek game. It was crap. Yeah, Kane. So you're saying Vegan Attack's got as much presentation as Kane? Madness and Warhawk. Oh come on. And That's... then hole in one. No, uh, no. Miami Vice. No, what? My yeah, I know sixty-four percent. Street Machine. What was which one was Street Machine? I don't want to know. <laughs> Look at their benchmarks. I'm not happy about it. Uh, Blood and guts. Oh my god. No. And Karate Champ. Utter egg of the dog. All Indeed. of them. There you go. Oh, there we go. Let's move along. <laughs> I've got two games left. <laughs> This is Chris Abbott from C64Audio.com. I don't listen to many podcasts, but while I'm flying my private yacht I built out of Rob Hubbard's old score paper, I listen to Zap to the Past, because old games don't die, they just get zapped. Our next one is another budget. Uh, It is Gunrunner. So, Gunrunner. So, this was made by another Gavin Rayburn game. Um, And I knew I recognised this from the powerhouse. I knew... I'd recognise the name Gavin Rayburn, but it never twigged to me who exactly he was. Gavin Rayburn was the studio head, until recently, until this year, of Playground Games, makers of the Forza Horizon games. Wow, okay. So this is where he started, and he went on to make Dirt, Tocker, all those racing games. Obviously, worked at Codemasters. Um, wow. But yeah, he was essentially responsible for Forza Horizon 1 to 4, wow. and even 5, probably, I guess. Okay. Crazy, yeah? And he was making crazy how we start, and I give him 64... Years, yeah. 64 quatloos for, <laughs> yeah, for the improved efforts. <laughs> uh, so the, <laughs> this is another another Gavin Rayburn. Rayburn, Rayburn, Rayburn. Rayburn, Rayburn. Uh, we've seen loads of his recently. This one is a, it's a, it's a chop. I'm not going to say it. It's a choplifter clone. So there's not much plot to this, but I did find an image of the case and it said on the back, <laughs> I love the back of these cases. They're better than the plots. Look at those graphics. These bits, if I shout it, it's in caps. Big shot. So look at those graphics, big shot. So smooth, so 3D, so fast. Rescue, dodge, annihilate. Bring the arcade smack bang onto your 64. Another Rayburn classic. If you can beat this, you're a better mouse than me. Brilltoid, Yowza, five-star Super Ace A1 Fit. Brilltoid? This sounds like a hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it sounds like you need some Brilltoid up your gun runner. <laughs> sounds alarmingly painful and yet soothing at the same time it does comes with a glove with one finger it does an applicator uh, my next actually my next line says i hope that helps i'm sure it does <laughs> 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 brilltoid gun runner 
Um, so this is it's another clone of another game, which is what Mr. Rayburn's early career was based on, pretty much. It looks pretty nice, I guess. There's some nice parallax scrolling, but it's not responsive enough. You don't. It takes an age to turn. We said this about one of his other games as well, didn't we? That we, that sort of Iridium one where it takes you, you know, where we said about beep, 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 he's yeah. reversing yep. that one. It feels like that again. Um, so you can't turn fast enough, especially that alien that homes in from behind you. Yeah, um, you, you, that's going to kill you, that thing. It's going to kill you. Unless you notice it, turn around immediately. You won't turn in time to shoot it. So it's Choplifter. The aliens themselves are sprites that I think I've seen in other games. <laughs> Alarmingly <laughs> similar to other game sprites. And they don't really fit the aesthetic of this because no. they're just random shapes and blobs and circles and crosses and the like. There's not much to say about this one. It's a competent, if rather slow, choplifter clone. So choplifter is the one where you you fly a you fly a helicopter. It's kind of you know, and there are basically you go down to the bottom. When you go down to the bottom, if you hold down the fire button, I think then a little sort of hammock or something comes out the bottom, and you, the people there's people running across the bottom, and they get into it, and you pull them up. It's not a hammock. What do they call it? I don't know what they call them. Um, um, a, a, yeah. It is kind of a hammock, a rescue, <laughs> a rescue thing. hammock. They're yeah. comfortably pulled up where they rest. Yes, yes. Hang, they swinging back and forth, listening to Hawaiian music. So they get taken back up. There's three on the first level. You move on to the next level, and so on and so forth. It's late. It's Choplifter. It's a lot like Mr. Rayburn's other games at this point. They're just it's clones of a clone. There's clones of stuff. It's competent. Don't get me wrong. It all looks nice. It plays okay, apart from being a bit too slow and sluggish. Uh, like the last one, that Thunderbolt or whatever it was, but it just it lacks a bit of final polish to make it really enjoyable to play. It got 60%, which is about right for two quid. But, you know, it's what it is. Still can't believe it went on to manage Playground Games. That's mad. But here he's made another, another so-so clone of another game for budget purposes, you know? If you bought this, you'd probably probably all right with it for an afternoon, maybe. What about you? Do you like Gunrunner? Choplifter meets Defender kind of thing, isn't it? Nice yeah, graphics, yeah. though. I quite like the graphics. Yeah. Great scrolling, of course. The scrolling's the thing, isn't it, with this, with its massive multi-layered parallax scrollings to give it a nice depth. A little bit over the top, really. But it looked good, sounded nice. It just, well, things have moved, off, moved on a bit in the old uh, side-scrolling shooter world, haven't they? There's no upgrades in this. There's no stuff like that. But this is two quid and it's working and it's decent looking and it's a shooter and it's two pounds. It's just generally a bit boring, isn't it? Competent, works nicely, has good overall presentation. Is it going to be my favourite side-scrolling shooter? No. Is it no more harmful than a two-pound Warhawk? Well, it's a side-scrolling Warhawk for me then at two pound. I think it deserved maybe a little bit better in the score because the graphics and the scrolling and the, the theme, the game is constructed nicely. Yes, it's repetitive. Yes, it's very similar to, but if you know, just take take this to a top-down game, and you've got kind of a Warhawk mentality. So I think it's it's just I think at this point there's better side-scrolling shooters. Are there better at two pounds? I don't know, but there are better side-scrolling shooters. Are you going to have more fun with this? Lacks this is a two pounds worth of sh- side-scrolling shooters, so you get what you get. Yeah, you get so what you get. Six, yeah, sixty yeah, percent's about right. I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was all right for two quid, so it would have passed this Sunday afternoon for me. It easy passes the test, so not too yeah. bad. Not too bad. Not great, but not too bad. Mm. And let's see, because we've got we've got a third opinion um, on this. So we do. once again, Mr. Daz from the Hands On Gaming podcast will offer his uh, offer his opinion on Gunrunner, uh, and let's so let's see what uh, let's see what he thinks. Yes, let's hear him. Let's hear it. So I fired up the C sixty four to review Gunrunner this time. And uh, this is game. This game I played as a kid. It's funny when I loaded it up and I got all this nostalgia. It just came back to me. It wasn't something I played all the time, but it's. I, I knew. I know I've played it before. So I thought, okay, this is cool. 
let me see if it was any good because I couldn't remember. So anyway, so I loaded the game up and um, yeah, then I realised, okay, yeah, you, yeah, well, you fly as a helicopter. I, the game did remind me of um, Defender and uh, you could say uh, Chopper Command on the Atari 2600 and, and a bit of Choplifter. I think it's like all three mixed into one. Uh, great graphics. Graphics are so nice, uh, very colourful. The Parallax scrolling is amazing. There's so many layers of Parallax scrolling. It's just like endless. But I found it difficult. It's very, very difficult. The first level, I, I like how it just it sucks you in thinking, okay, this is not too hard. But anyway, so what you do, you need to uh, rescue civilians at the bottom of the screen. So you drop like a little, uh, I don't know, like a net or something or anything. And I don't know what it is, but it picks them up and while dodging aliens, I could say. I don't know what they are, but there's like these random robot alien things that come for you. So anyway, so first level was 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 decent. As soon as the second level hits, it's like, oh my, this is what the hell's going on? It didn't even have a split second to even think. Something just to, so many times, a missile just came from the left side of the screen and just killed me. So it's it's just it's random, but I find it very cheap and unfair. And uh, but yeah, but level two is just relentless. It's just ridiculously hard. Um, but yeah, I I really really. Uh, I started to really dislike this game quickly. Um, the, the nostalgia wore off very quickly after playing this for a, for a fair bit. Um, it's a shame because it, it looks great. I think it plays nice. I mean, it's the, the controls were great, uh, but it's just ridiculously hard. It looked too hard. Look, maybe I have to get good, yeah? But I don't know. This is one I'd stay away from now. Look, I've played it again. I've given it another go, I guess. It wasn't as good as I remember it. So, yeah, nah, never again. It stays here. I think it's utter trash. So, uh, yeah, that's my review of uh, Gunrunner. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for uh, letting me contribute to this episode. Yeah. Bit right. more down well, than we, we were, I think. Yeah, now we know. Now, we, now know. we know. But, you know, it's two quid. It's two quid of shooting, isn't it? It's so, two well, quid of choplifter. The tr- problem is there. That was Did my you- birth- birthday present to him. That's ruined now. <laughs> I realised I've just bought him a Sunday best. <laughs> you have. I mean, the two quid's worth of helicopter's not going to get you much, is it? It's not. No, in the grand scheme of things. You, it's not even going to get you in the door. <laughs> it's not. And especially after seeing the uh, you know, the manual for... It might get you the egg Thanks for your eye. You want um, to go on helicopter ride. <laughs> you must wear how much egg you, and how, eye. How much money you have? <laughs> two pounds. You look <laughs> at a helicopter, egg. that's enough for you. Here's an egg. Put it in yeah. your eye. Yeah. <laughs> Ha, ow, ow, <laughs> ah, that, actually, it's really painful, yeah. I cracked. I got a bit of sharp, sharp shell in my eye. That is on purpose. Do not come here again, you egg fool. <laughs> <laughs> Do I sense you didn't know where to go with that at that point? I, it, 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 not just a sense. <laughs> Let's move on quickly. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, Graham, do you know how many games got 64% for their sound? Um, I want to say uh, nine. Six. Okay. Yeah, right. You are naught for naught at this. Uh, you know. I know, um, terrible. Uh, the, first, the, the first one, uh, we're on-field baseball. Um, Have you even played that? No. <laughs> yeah, we did. I think we did. Well, maybe. No, I don't think we did, actually. Uh, no. Jonah Barrington squash. Again, we didn't play it. No. But then we've got Trapdoor. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember much sound in that. This one's a favourite. Star Glider. <laughs> <laughs> that deserves sixty four percent. Rainbird, <laughs> rainbird, star glider. 
um, Bun Ship. Okay, um, I don't remember which sound in that, but okay. I think in there. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's that. There's that. There is that. Yeah. There is that. And uh, <laughs> Milk Race. Oh, switch off. <laughs> But not before you listen to our last game. <laughs> oh, no. Because <laughs> we've got... Oh, we've got I don't know if I've got any more race. stats. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I have no more stats for you. We've just got some more games. Uh, right, last game. Let's move on quickly and then we're done. We have some more stats. Graham, oof, pile up. All the way from Nipplesoft, <laughs> or as, as they're more affectionately known, Areolasoft. This is created by somebody called Christoph Schulute Veniber. I think that's how you might say it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's Star Fox, apparently, or does, does Star Fox anyway. So the Earth is running out of energy. It's running out. And so we need new sources to keep the lights on. That's true. That is true, that is. It is. Coincidentally, in a remote part of the universe, and I'm just going to put a little pause in here let's be careful on what we mean when we say a remote part of the universe the universe is really big a lot most of um, it's remote i was watching a a video today on youtube about voids and super voids um which are spaces of completely nothing that occur in the universe naturally and uh, well they occur and nobody really knows what they are or why but some of these voids and super voids <laughs> are two billion light years across they have less than 10 particles per micro newton whatever the hell it is Basically, they're empty. There's nothing in there. 200 billion light years of empty. You sounded like um, Nigel Tufnell for a moment there. No one knows <laughs> what they are or, or what, what they're they doing. doing. <laughs> but the main the reason I say that is because, you know, they're just coincidentally in a random part of the universe, this is happening anyway. Just don't do that. So a weird phenomenon has happened in this remote part of the universe, which they've labelled the pile-up. <laughs> they could have called it other things, but pile-up's okay. Don't know. So, don't and know it's been observed, game. the pile-up is actually a 16 by 16 landscape composed of light and dark squares. Some of the light squares have a dark sphere on it, of pure energy, which is very handy, given the premise of this game. <laughs> These squares rise and fall in a mysterious elevator-like way. Um, as the height of the squares increases, the sphere of energy on top, their level changes, which means their color changes in layman's terms. Thankfully, we were able to spot this universal pileup and have the nous to figure out that it's some kind of intergalactic power station, which is, how do we figure that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what, it, it, this stage, who cares? Those boffins at NASA are very know, clever. Unbelievable. Very, and it's convenient, isn't it, really? We don't, we, oh, we're in out of energy. Well, if you look over there at this anomaly that we discovered <laughs> 200 billion light years away, it turns out it's an intergalactic power station with, with marbles of pure energy we can, we can harvest. <laughs> okay, send somebody out there. So that's what they do. So they construct a spaceship. Uh, yeah, exactly, totally. It's like, oh, yeah. man. Should, should we make the spaceship joystick-shaped? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah do it. Do that, yeah. Um, which is exactly what they do. So they send a, they construct a craft which could harvest the energy and which transport it back using a transporter, a handy transporter, which is of the alien creation. So um, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't ask. Just, don't, don't, let's not, no, it's exactly, let's not look too far into it. You know, the heroin hadn't kicked in at this point, I think, for the game designers. Anyway, so so this is what you've got to do. You've got to use your joystick and your fire button to control your ship using your thrusters, which, and also gravity. They were our favorite control systems, aren't they? Bad controls and gravity. Oh, Love yeah, they're that. the best. Carefully landing on top of the energy spheres to absorb them. This will transfer the energy to your ship's energy chamber, which you can then navigate your way to the transformer pad 
which will transfer your energy. Um, if your energy on board drops too low, say by hitting anything, then that hits zero and it's game over, isn't it? That's what happens. So, yep. Okay. Graphically, it's an isometric game. I think I've called this the marble madness angle, really, because it's kind of got that kind of look. It features marbles, essentially, and they're on plinths going up and down and such. It doesn't look too bad, actually, in terms of the way it is. You control a weird joystick-looking spaceship. It looks like a joystick. And you kind of, you're going to hover this around in isometric 3D, which is really, really insanely hard to do. That perspective of control is really hard to judge depth. And they've given you a little dot that appears on top of the little plinths. But it's actually quite hard to judge your depth and your, your, to maneuver around because you've got inertia and gravity and all these horrible control things fighting you, really. So the controls and the way it plays are deeply, deeply, deeply bloody annoying, like really mm-hmm. annoying, like crazy annoying. And flying around in this environment, this 3D environment, it's a real chore because you've got to navigate from, you've got to hit these spheres really bang on, like perfectly on top, boom, slightly off to the left or to the right or not the right angle, it's not going to work. And you've got to sit on them until they absorb, which is really stupid. So you can't just <laughs> collect them, you've got to wait and hover around. And then you've got to go to the transformer pad, which, by the way, is next to impossible to find. And even if you do find it, it's not going to work. You're never going to transfer the energy. It's, it's just not going to happen. So gathering the spheres of energy is not enjoyable in this. It's a torturous and event torturous experience. And that's eventually going to lead you to the off switch. There's no doubt about that, because it did for me. The sound and the music are, okay, they're passable, but they're nothing right, nothing amazing. And nothing in here is going to leave you the lasting impression or anything that makes you want to play this game more. It's probably technically quite proficient in some 3D isometric false perspective way. But ultimately, this is a cold game that leaves you just spat on. Um, and if you, and maybe if you've got the patience for it, if you like this kind of torturous, nightmarish, isometric shite, then maybe you want to guide a joystick crafting spaceship to gather up marbles for no reason whatsoever, endlessly <laughs> in a in a, a series of boring interludes. For me, no, no, I didn't enjoy that, and I don't want to do that again. The, the UI has dispersed around on the on the on the UI. You get your kind of X speed, your Y speed, your Z speed. You get all these interesting stats. It is not going to help you. There's even a radar view of a top-down orthographic view. It's not going to help you. No, this game is basically uncontrollable. And even if it was controllable, unenjoyable. And even if it was enjoyable, boring. So <laughs> cycle out those factors, and what you've got here is. No, a boring, you know, marbly shite. I didn't enjoy it. I don't, I didn't like it. Did you like it? I didn't like no, it. No, no. God, no. What the actual hell is this? An isometric marble collector. You must land precisely, then transport the marble you're picked up to the receptacle, which looks like a chalkboard at the top of the area. Yeah. Um, as you've noted, it's supposed to be happening in some far off flung part of the galaxy. So why is there a cafe and a service area at the bottom left <laughs> of the play area? Handy, really. Who's... <laughs> Set up a cafe. <laughs> Why? Why have you set up a cafe here? I'm, uh, I'm guessing they don't get a lot of custom. Those energy, you know, they need they need feeding. All right, okay. Are these Mars bars out of date? Uh, <laughs> well, it did take 28,000 light years to get them here. <laughs> yeah. So to I be reckon fair, so. Yeah, they might have been. Yeah, yeah there might be a little bit, yeah. They've actually turned sentient. <laughs> they've um, gone full Vija. Moose. Misses. It's just a load of misses going back to Earth. I'm oh, not another bloody <laughs> sentient Mars bar. Bloody, just shove it in the safe and lock the door. There's about 10 of them. They're all arguing with each other. Who's more important than who? Where they came from? Who's the creator? We know who it is. It's Roundtree on Mars, whatever it is. Bung them, out. Bung them in the bloody bin, stupid bloody sentient chocolate bars. Sod off. Bloody misses. Why does the title screen feature some gurning thespian type thing? What is that thing on the title screen? I, d- I don't know, and I don't want to know. It was scary. Uh, what is this? For the most part, what it is is dull as arse. 
float around, try not to bump into things, try and make sense of the overcomplicated UI, repeat the process of sucking up marbles to dump them in a chalkboard. It's not fun, and I don't think it's fully developed. It feels like it was the start of an idea that became this thing, but then no one had any idea what to do really to do with it to make it into an actual playable game it feels like a, a bit of there's a technical bit of this but then they've tried to wrap a game around it it's also for uh, you know the void of space really brown oh it's no it's very it's brown it's brown it, it's brown very yorkshire space. pudding it's yorkshire it's terrible, pudding, isn't it? yorkshire pudding in space so it, it, it puts a whole new emphasis on dark matter. Yeah, this is not pile-ups. This is just a pile. It's just fecal it's matter. Just, it's just piles. <laughs> yeah, it is. it's what it is. You know, this is this. Is, you need the Briltoid again. You need to get out the Briltoid. <laughs> you slip it, slip that glove on with its single get finger. Get the applicator. Yeah, and and sh- and shove some um, uh, yep. shove some gun, shove some stuff up. Yeah, exactly. Ease ease the pain of those. Marbly piles. <laughs> just I think that's what this game them. is. It's a metaphor for piles. I think it's exactly uh, what it is. That's why it's called pile up. That's why it's really because it's really hard to, you know, to apply it properly where you need to get them sometimes. Well, if you ask somebody what hemorrhoids feels like, they said it's like loads of stabbing marbles up your ass. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, well, that's strange that because there's a game like that. There's a game like that. Do you, does it? And, and also as well, don't forget that joystick could be an applicator. Oh God. That's- Put me off using my arcade pro for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Those micro switches are going to get well gummed. Yeah. That's just horrific and gross. Oh, and on that note. <laughs> oh, Graham, how many games in Zaps? It's got six. Sorry, oh, I've just told you. <laughs> I'm Six. Plot. six <laughs> for value for money. Uh, 64% for value for money. It was indeed six. They were Max Headroom, Strike Force Harrier, oh Sigma 7, Future Knight, Ollie and Lissa, and Skate Rock. Right. Such a great collection of games. It is. I was really happy to pounce out of those. Yeah. In total, 55 games have been given a rating in something or other for 64%. I was hoping it was going to be 64, but didn't quite get there. Um, and, you know, as a as, as a scrupulous journalist, I was not going to fudge the figures like pile-up did. No. Um, all right, there we go. That was episode 64. That's it that was. done. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed the contributions from our listeners and our friends and everything like that, because it was cool our to patrons, have them in. Patrons, of course. Patrons and everything. It was all cool. If you wish to sign up to our Patreon... Um, you, of course, can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash zap to the past. Sign up at either tier. There's a, a cheap and cheerful one of a, one pound or the equivalent, which helps keep the light on. Or there's the uh, next tier up price of a pint of beer, uh, probably maybe less, depending where you are, um, where you get access to the discord, early access to the episodes. You get extra episodes, you get all kinds of stuff. Discord, yeah, all kinds of stuff. High score challenges and the chance to ask us anything for the ask us anything uh, podcast and stuff like that and also when we do special things like this you'll get the opportunity to contribute to them as well um so that's that if you can't do that then go and rate us on whatever as you listen to because that helps with algorithms as you said before it does help it does help um and also as well even if you don't do any of that but you have somebody who likes the c64 who likes retro gaming and you think okay just tell them about us just pass it on that's nice you know, just say, give it, give it a listen. Um, and tell them if they listen to episode one, one, then go listen to one of the later ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't judge us by the early ones. Go and listen to them. It's episode twenty plus. Yeah, that's probably where it, you know, uh, you know, like like a good Japanese role playing game, we get good after twenty hours. Well, sixty four episodes is a lot of episodes, so we're doing well. We are doing well, yeah, and we've got loads more to come next week. What games have we got coming up next week? Uh, Red Lead, uh, Laurel and Hardy, Cosmonauts, Swamp Fever, Revenge of the Mutant Camels Two, Ace Two, Death Race, Star Force Nova, Evening Star, which is the sequel to. Da, 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 Southern Bell. Oh, God. <laughs> so another frames per second game. Oh, um, or seconds per frame, sorry. Uh, we've also got Testicle the Transforming Car and Night on the Tiles. That's okay. next week. It is the middle of this episode because it's another triple episode treat. I think on that note, it's getting a bit late. You got anything more you wish to add, Graham? No, I have been impressed with all of your 64 statistics. Thank you. Um, but also unimpressed how crap 64 seems to be in terms of Zap's <laughs> statistics. But you know what? That's just a numerical anomaly, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, yeah. It's one of those things. But there you go. I can't I can't change the data. It is what no, it is. It is what it, it is. It is what it is. Um, so on that note, I think we'll end there. So as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to Zapped to the Past. And we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.